Download episodes of previous shows. It is the Riot Podcast. Welcome to the show. Happy after your weekend. Yep. Or whatever day you're having a chance to enjoy. See how we put enjoy there. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah, the producer of the show and the podcast curator, we the could call keeper him. keeper of the list. You can add that to your email tags oh, as yeah. your title, podcast curator. What do we have in the show today? Uh, we started off by talking about a man who ate Chick-fil-A consecutively for 153 days. I want to know everybody listening now who after hearing the story be like, challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> How far can we take this? Well, what we talk about with it is if if you had to eat at one restaurant for 153 days in a row, yeah. would you pick Chick-fil-A? Because we d- we're not so sure. Actually, About as good else. as Chick Fil A is, could it be a, a, sh- a could it be a restaurant you could deal with 153 days in a row? But if you picked another restaurant, there might already be a different date of there someone eating at this restaurant yeah. for so many days. So you, if you picked like McDonald's, has someone spent more time eating there every day? There's people who spend their entire lives eating. Of, the only thing I tend to try to budget money wise is eating out. Like, uh-huh. how can one afford? Every day to be eating out at these places. And (laughs) Chick-fil-A, the other thing we didn't factor in is if you're eating there for 153 days, think about how much time you'd have to spend waiting in the drive-thru. I mean, they're good, but it's it's so busy. I mean, that, I think, is not as bad as it used to be. Uh, Mine has practically four or five lines. It's like a freeway. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. It is more more busy than a lot of the uh, highways around here. That's true, but listen to see if you want to take part in this challenge. Yes. We also talked about as happy as that man was with Chick-fil-A, a woman was very unhappy with McDonald's for making her break her Lent fast. Yeah. yeah. I think these stories are always weird where it's like it was from two years ago. And <laughs> yeah. now she's suing. Now she's suing. Well, or it's just it takes some time to get your case together. I guess. And the weird thing about her is, I'm not going to reveal it, but just how much she is suing for. And you're like, is it really big? Maybe. You have to listen. You'll have to listen and find <laughs> out. Then we also discussed kind of our washing routines and if it's necessary. Yes, and the because there's a trend now with celebrities revealing that they don't wash that much. Yeah, and their body. Everybody else has different <laughs> uh, different evaluations of how much that much means because a lot of them haven't been very specific. It's just like, yeah, I don't really think it's necessary to shower, and it's like, does, do you mean like every day mm-hmm. or what? And so, so, fortunately, some celebrities are coming out and saying, don't worry, we shower all the time. There was a high-profile one who actually abuses water. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so find out and which one that is. used it as a very convenient way to remind us that he works out every single day. I also. know, yeah, did you feel that fitness brag right <laughs> yeah, there? A yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and then we wrapped it up by talking about an Olympic marathon runner who just showed terrible sportsmanship. <laughs> it's awful to watch the video. I would watch it after you're done with the podcast, because if if you want to see what a loser looks like, yeah. it's right there. It just <laughs> sums up the, this times Olymp- this cycles Olympics so much. Yeah. Uh, usually, every story out of the Olympics is always something so nice, yeah. and it's just like, 
look at these athletes and their parents and look at this athlete and they now, grew up here's on the dirt floor and yep. look where they are now. And all the stories this year are like, look at this guy. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and this caps it all off. showing it. Yep, this caps it all off. <laughs> it's just awful. But um, I know there were a lot of other wonderful athletes, but watch and listen uh, about the one that was not. Yes. So you can and hear that. <laughs> once you get done with all of the podcast, or maybe even before, it might be better if you do it before, <laughs> leave us a nice review. Yeah, please do. Uh, we heard from Gil Barash, who says, best podcast. I've been a Riot listener for years. Something I look forward to. It's my favorite part of the of Aww, the night. Yay, thanks is catching for up on the podcast. the podcast. And Gil Brass also says, in parentheses, also, Hudson is doing a great job. Yay. So I guess I'm doing a great job and you guys are... I don't if know. Not, here, I guess. Yeah, you weren't mentioned. So. If not, what you don't know is that Hudson every day comes in and, and swipes the table and knocks our drinks off. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's person, but I still appreciate you giving him a really good review. Yeah, you know, I need it. I really <laughs> do. I need the ego boost. And so make sure to leave a nice review and make sure you subscribe to our podcast. That does help. Yes. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and leave a nice rating and review. We would appreciate we'll, it. It'll po- pu- push us up the rankings and we'll appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. We've done you a favor by selecting the best of the worst and compiling it all in one place. Riot Podcast Radio U. We have to take a look at the box office numbers. It's a part, it's a tradition here on the Riot. (laughs) There might not be a lot to look at some weekends, (laughs) but we'll see what happened from this past one. This weekend, the big release was the Suicide Squad, the new Suicide Squad, James Gunn's version, and it came in first. It did. $26.5 million in the U.S. Is that everything or meaning like, like does that include? Well, I guess their streaming is free. Yeah, they don't oh, charge an extra. So they don't they charge an extra one. They don't even have a way like Disney to report on how yeah. much. Because Disney's always in. like, it's this and right. <laughs> like 60 million and it's more. it's pretty impressive, yeah. Wow, that's not the highest number I expected. No, it's actually really squad. low. And of course, the news stories all attribute it to people are afraid of the Delta variant. And I don't know. I don't know that many people. I mean, it's all anecdotal, but I feel that the majority of people aren't concerned Either because I like we just we've gone over this a million times. Either there's the people that are vaccinated, and I think most of them are like, "Hey, I feel fine." And the people but they that are un- still don't want to see this movie. <laughs> the people that are unvaccinated <laughs> that are like, "I don't care about the virus." For a lot of them, so like I think people would still go out to the movies if they really wanted to. The problem well, is this was on HBO Max for just a $16 a month subscription. So even if you weren't signed up for HBO Max, it was still cheaper to sign up for the monthly service than to go than to actually go to see the movie. And that's that is the true. problem. It might hurt these movies more than it would when you have to pay a premium for mm-hmm. like Black Widow and stuff. Right. So I'm not surprised this might, uh, you know, this is a lower amount for the actual physical box office. Mm-hmm. I'm just more surprised that they didn't say anything about how it's streaming went. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to come out in a month or so, you know, in a few a few days down the line and go, well, 
The good news is we got so many subscriptions on HBO Max. <laughs> well, they did with um, which one? Was it Wonder Godzilla? Wo- no, they, I think Woman? they only really said that with Wonder Woman back at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't re- recall them saying anything with Godzilla. Yeah. And back at that and time. Definitely not with Mortal Kombat. Back at that time, they were like, uh, <laughs> it was like HBO Max doing so well. And now all of a sudden, it kind of feels like everybody's forgotten, I think, about HBO Max. Uh, at least for the movie stuff. But maybe this is what... Brings it back around. Well, I'll tell you that I did make a point to watch the Suicide Squad, and I watched it on HBO Max, so they can hate me all they want, <laughs> but I am paying them $16 a month. That's so. fine. Think of it as athleisure for your ears. Radio U's worst of the Riot Podcast. If you did get to see the Suicide Squad over the weekend, whether in theaters, one if you were one of the few, or... <laughs> At HBO Max. I mean, 26.5 million was its debut number. Uh-huh. And that's not the most, but it could have been worse. Uh-huh. It's probably not what they were thinking. <laughs> that's probably like <laughs> 2 million people going to see it when you think know. about it. Yeah, they just called that's it underwhelming. Sad. But yeah. if anybody saw it over the weekend, text and let us know so you can compare with Hudson's review. Yeah, so I did see it. And the first disclaimer is. If you're uh, getting into the Suicide Squad, and like you should know this by now because it is R-rated, but if you're thinking that it's going to be anything like even the Wonder Woman movies, anything in the Marvel universe, it's just not. Not the same. uh, It's like you could argue it's more intense than Deadpool. I mean, the violence, a lot of it is very, it's comic. It's not like it's, it is kind of gruesome, but it's not horror stuff. It's it's just, it's kind of goofy. Uh, but you also have to ask yourself, how many cusses are you okay with? Is it like 10? Is it like 50? Is it like 200? Are we over 200 in it? Uh, it might be. I don't know. It's hard to judge. I lost count, uh, after two. So that, that's just, it's not your, your children's superhero movie. But, uh, that said, it was really fun to see James Gunn, the Mm. Guardians of the Galaxy is what he's best known for. And it has a lot of that style where it's just kind of, like it is superhero-y, but it's got a, a totally different, like it's not taking itself seriously, having a good time. And then he just did get to let loose. So a lot of the, again, a lot of the choreography of the action scenes and the violence is, is just way out there. It's just everything. It's just going for it. Yeah. And uh, so that makes it a lot of fun. And it is surprising too, especially after seeing the first Suicide Squad how James Gunn has much more of a knack for actually making you care about the characters, even though they're supposedly bad guys. Uh, he actually gets you into it, and it, it does have a. Uh, it definitely doesn't have the feel of uh, you're cheering. You feel like you shouldn't be cheering for them. You know, like you actually identify with them a little bit, or maybe I'm just a bad guy. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was uh, very well done. This and is all saying the, a lot about you. <laughs> all, all of the reviews uh, that that give it all the positives, like I think they're dead on. I, I, I really agree. It was hard to watch John Cena. It's hard to see uh, him in a movie which now. Which one was he? Uh, Peacemaker. Yeah. And is it because well, of the apology thing, or is it, yeah, is it just, just hard like, to watch just him keep, as an actor? Keep waiting for him to kind of go into a monologue about how. Taiwan isn't a country, you know, like you feel like he really messed that up. Yeah, I I don't. I usually think I'm pretty good at separating the actor and their character from who they are in real life. 
But for him, it's just it's still a little close together. Sure. From his Taiwan apology tour. (laughs) So other than that, other than that, though. Not bad. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I definitely Hudson gives it a a thumbs up for sure. All right. Well, let us know what you thought of it. Um, The Suicide Squad, which, again, made twenty six point five million. That's low. Uh, But Hudson didn't even go see it in theaters, so he's not counted in that. I was helping in my own way by (laughs) watching it on HBO Max, (laughs) which is better than nothing. That's true. And now I'm uh, reviewing it on the air. So it's almost like we just, uh, HBO and I, Warner Brothers, we struck a deal. Is it? It was like, (laughs) hey, you watch it, we'll put it on HBO Max for you, and then you talk about it for everyone else. Well, they're they're glad you could help. Yeah. The riot isn't all bad, but this is the worst of the riot. Radio U. A man in Bakersfield, California, mm-hmm. ate Chick-fil-A. How many consecutive days do you think he could do it? Oh, he would keep eating it every day? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Five years. Five? Oh, <laughs> no, not much? that. Not that long. Okay, not that he long. He did 153 consecutive days. Oh, chick Oh. Chick-fil-A for raising money. Yeah, that's about five months worth of Chick-fil-A every single day. Why would he stop at 153? Uh, Yeah, that is an odd number, isn't it? Can you just go to 160? (laughs) That really bothers me, man. (laughs) Well, let's see. I guess the previous record might have been 132 days in a row. Yeah. And so he wanted to beat that, of course. And then he was doing $100 a day for every day he ate at Chick-fil-A. He was donating also to Victory Family Services. So he wound up donating a hundred and uh, uh, no, fifteen thousand three hundred dollars. Maybe cool. that's all he could possibly donate. He was sitting at a Chick-fil-A in Bakersfield. He had what he calls a light bulb moment. He was eating a salad with some friends. He saw a news article on a person in Pennsylvania who ate Chick-fil-A for 132 days. And then he was the one who beat out a San Diego man. Yeah. Who ate for 115 so, days. Man, and he whole, thought, I want to attempt this. A whole Chick-fil-A chain. Apparently. It's like, in a way, it's like one of those Starbucks change or any of the oh, fast food. The drive through where you pay for the next yes. person in front of you or behind you or however. And this is like a, taking that to a really different level. Yeah. Where you break the record and you donate a bunch to charity. So that's really cool for him. He says he ate the Southwest chicken salad more often than any other thing. That was he's a creature of habit. Yeah, so we always he get said. that. That's the thing that gets me is that if you were going to eat somewhere for 150 days in a row, Chick Fil A would be a tough one because they only have chicken on the menu. True. So even uh, you could only get so much variety, even if you're trying different things on the menu. If you had to eat at one restaurant. 150 days in a row. What, what would, would it be? be? Yeah. That's a good question. Does DoorDash count as a restaurant? No, it does not count. As if a, it does. It has to be one building. One? No. You, had to go- you know what? The earth is a building and we're all <laughs> just a part of it. I don't know. That's a good question because part of what was nice is that the Chick-fil-A matched his donation. Yeah. And I'm... Am I saying that I can't envision some other fast food places? Maybe being as <laughs> so, generous. A lot of them. I think a lot of them would because of the publicity. Maybe, but a few of them would. I not. feel like they'd throw you out. You think? <laughs> Maybe not match the donation. So I don't know. You're right, though. Just having chicken for what was it? One meal a day yeah, for 153 he, days. It wasn't. He's not uh, the super size me Morgan Spurlock guy. He's not only uh, eating Chick Fil A for oh, for 153 days straight. That'd be that'd be a little different. Well, that would that'd be more money. Yeah. <laughs> 
Chick uh, Chick Fil A is good, but I just want something where one day I could have chicken and one day I could have a burger. I don't know. Anybody else have any ideas what would be the best place? Yeah, because all my favorite fast food restaurants really are disappointing right now. Uh, (laughs) Letting us down. I couldn't even get through the line to go get some food at some of the other places because it's so messed up. I don't know. You'd want to pick something that would have some choices. You're so right, though. 150 days in a row at almost any restaurant. At least you could count on Chick-fil-A. They would get it right. 150 days in a row. I feel like you're doing uh, McDonald's. Uh, Chipotle, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. You think, wow, well, they have luck, a lot guys. of options. They would not. <laughs> you would get the right thing about thirty days, yeah, and that would be it. I feel like you would. Um, just some of the fast food places near us are just really not working it out right now. I would feel like you. <laughs> I go think through. it's everywhere. I don't know. I feel like it's everywhere, but you'd go through and you feel like it was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always feel like that. I'm sorry, it's I my ordered. Canadian guilt. Yeah, my like, Canadian. Po- oh. Sorry I'm just trying for, to raise money. Sorry for ordering what I ordered. Yes. <laughs> My bad. I yeah, really apologize. I should have known better to not do that. And thank you for not putting it in the bag <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it and not putting it in. Yeah. Thank Honestly. you for not giving me a straw. Yeah. I know it's a small thing. But I appreciate it. Yeah. Let's see why it was mentioning Arby's. That's a good choice. It's expensive, I feel like. Yeah, that would add up. But they uh, they got some stuff there that could be good. That's about, about as good as I've heard. I don't I Wendy's is the one that comes to mind because you know that they're affordable and they do have the chicken and they've got breakfast and they've got burgers. But again, they're another one. You'd get nervous. You know, you'd get some bad eggs in there. I would worry about every it a few days uh, so. for the breakfast. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't think I would choose their <laughs> breakfast very often, actually. Well, good for the guy. He was raising money and got that done at the Chick-fil-A for 153 days yeah. consecutively eating. There. He's given us a lot to think about. For something that we'll never do. (laughs) It's the worst of the riot on Radio U. Well, this is it, Nikki. An opportunity for you. What do we got? It's got your name all over it. (laughs) NASA. No, no, it doesn't. I know we share the first letter of our name. uh Uh-huh. Nikki and NASA. Yeah. Uh, But I don't. Justin sent this on Facebook. Uh Uh-huh. I don't want to have anything to do with this. No, this is... They... (laughs) Actually, specifically, we're asking for you to be a part of this. No, they were asking for volunteers, and that's not just me. They want you to volunteer. <laughs> and it's not in space. They've chosen you to lead <laughs> the uh, the Mars Dune Alpha Habitat Research uh, at Johnson Space Center, in H- Space Center in Houston, Texas. This is this is misleading because all the news stories are like NASA wants people to live on Mars and then but Mars is not. in quotation marks yeah. because it's a simulated Mars environment. They're going to have, uh, I think, four people total living at this Mars environment in Houston, Texas, and selected volunteers are going to be paid, but they'll have limited contact with family and friends. Which doesn't that sound nice? Actually, it feels actually like pays off. It sounds like you'd be paid for what last year was. Yeah, <laughs> so they should have had that then. They uh, they'll pay you, and as an added bonus, you won't have to contact your family and friends. <laughs> you have a reason not to make it work out. Yeah, sorry guys. I'm here. I'm I'm at Mars. Yeah, <laughs> in quotations. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, you're not. You're in Houston. Yes, but Houston is like Mars. Yep, and that <laughs> means we can't talk or see each other. Oh, sorry. sorry. It'll be one year. The first first experiment that they're doing will be in the fall of 2020. Uh-huh. I wonder how much you get paid. Wait, 2020, though. that was last 22, year. 22, 22. Okay. 
Everybody hang on. <laughs> uh, what do you get paid for it? Um, they won't say? Yeah, probably because it's underwhelming. <laughs> If it was a lot, it would be like, and you get yeah. $3 million. No, they were going to not bring this up. It's, uh, it's probably like $1,000 a month or something. You couldn't even it's live off of it. But because they're providing you with uh, meals every day, which again, there will be limited and that will be mm. probably like MREs. Well, you will. It's th- that doesn't really count, even though they can say you're going to have your food provided. We don't meet the requirements. Uh, it's the ages of 30 to 55 with a master's Aww. degree in a STEM field. Okay. Uh, you have to have U.S. I don't citi- meet any of those. I know U.S. citizenship, <laughs> good physical health, <laughs> and the ability to deal with motion sickness. So uh, we're out. I've got the citizenship. <laughs> one, the one out, out of. of all uh, of it. <laughs> Like 80 options, I've I've checked the box. When I first heard about it, I was like, oh, this will be anyone and everyone. Yeah. And that's a real narrow field they, right yep, there. They have narrow, well, it's not like those, uh, the other things we see where it's like, spend a weekend watching 24 horror movies in a row that we can and do. blog about it. This is actually serious science stuff where they're, what does it really affect? Yeah. What is the effect of living on Mars? They need like you to, to have that uh, degree. Yeah. And for me, I'm out on the motion sickness thing, yeah. man. That well, would just be horrible. The, and the other thing is the four, it's you and three other people for a year. Yeah. How could, could you deal with that? Nobody else. You I and three that's, people. That's part of what they're trying to figure out. Like when... When do you turn? When like, do, yeah. When, when do you snap? <laughs> <laughs> when when do you How lose it all? How many times does the other astronaut yeah. have to leave his dirty dishes in the sink <laughs> before you finally give up now. and just walk out into into the wilderness of Mars? Of Houston. Yeah. Right. And now they're also in Hollywood saying there's a new movie being filmed in Texas about oh, really? four roommates. <laughs> Who it are just so happens they'll also be paid <laughs> for that. Yeah, this is uh, this is method acting right I here. I feel like they're filming something else while this is all going on. Yeah, they have to. This should be a reality show, if nothing else. Probably the equivalent of someone's lint collection. This is the worst of the riot podcast. Nikki here, Hudson, of course, mm. and Isaiah. Who is our resident 5K runner? He, we ran the 5K, meaning like we put the event on. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same physically. It was so hard. I just it's stood not. there and played music the whole time. I know, but you know what? It was needed. So you uh-huh. did your part. That's right. But Isaiah was kind enough to, uh, as we wrapped up last Friday, our in person and our radio U virtual 5K. Isaiah was kind enough to just jump in and run yeah. the race. No <laughs> training. I'm right? still hurting today. <laughs> That's what we were wondering. How did it treat you afterwards? Because Isaiah did finish, and he finished near the top of the race, yeah, like in the top time. ten. He lost to his girlfriend, but she does train. She trained and much more than I did. And it was close. I thought the, the problem was is we ran like the first two miles. And yeah. I thought we had like a friendly thing going, you know? Uh-huh. We were both just kind of side by side the whole way talking and whatnot. We get to the final mile. She was saving her strength. No more talking. <laughs> it was a backstabbing if I've ever seen one. All of a sudden, she starts picking up the pace. I'm like, okay, we're going a little faster now. Yeah. As a team, I'm thinking still, no longer a team. She completely betrayed me. She's pulling away from me. I'm like, hey, like... I'm I'm back here. I, she has her AirPods in. She's in the zone. Yeah. And so I'm just, at that point, I am just in pure agony. I mean, I was already, the first two miles, I felt pretty good. That final mile, mile was 
terrible, it's especially because I was competing with her. It's a hilly course, too. Like, there's yeah. a lot of hills. And it was very humid and very hot. So I wondered how everybody was going to do out there. Yeah, it was uh, It was a tough night. I mean, it was a nice night, mm. but it's never a good night to run. If it so. makes you feel better, I saw some other guy, like, he just completely left behind his he... girlfriend. <laughs> and it was bad. He was just way ahead. And she's just like, wait a minute. I thought we were doing it together. And I was like, oh, we're going to talk about that later, aren't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he went back and at least walked back to her. That's nice, at least. <laughs> so he didn't leave her alone totally. So how did you feel afterwards? So right after the race, obviously, I was exhausted. Uh-huh. But that night, I felt I felt okay. On Saturday, Sunday, and today, I have felt absolutely <laughs> terrible. Like, on Sunday and Saturday, I thought I was sick. Really? Like, my whole body, I don't even know how, but my arms were, like, sore. Aww. My, like, chest was sore. I'm like, why is it not just, like, my legs? My yeah. whole body yeah. was in pain for multiple days. And still waking up today, walking around is still a challenge. Jeff, you Did you still wind up going to Cedar Point? I did. To, I, yes, I did. did well, you then rent it's a, not our 5K's fault. Yeah, right? exactly. Cedar Point after Maybe that. you ate a little too much there. Did the you roller rent, coaster hurt your body. Yes. Did yes. you rent one of the uh, like hover-round scooters? I couldn't get myself to do it. You I could, wish it would have been so much nicer, but I, I did walk around probably like 20 more miles on Saturday going from Jeez. ride to ride and standing waiting in line, which was also... Terrible after a 5K to yeah, go to see a point, but we were already had the tickets, so we were going either way. <laughs> if you were a, a real Riot member, you would have skipped the 5K. I mean, you would have been there, but you wouldn't have run, <laughs> and then you would have... <laughs> Counted your time as all the walking around Cedar yes. Point. <laughs> uh, no, actually, the riot would have been like, uh, no, we can't go anymore. I, I literally, every time someone was like, hey, let's go do this. I was like, no, I the 5K. <laughs> I didn't even run it. I was like, I just can't. It was yeah. just too much. <laughs> well, we ate too much pizza the night yes. for the 5K to so, be able to do anything else. If anybody joined us in person or if you did the virtual 5K, you can still use that excuse this week. Yep. You're still recovering. Your yep. body's recovering. So we... Appreciate everybody who supported and ran or walked, and uh, no matter what's going on now. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're proud of you. Isaiah. Yes, we are. Thanks for doing that. Of for course, the show. it was lots of fun. It was lots of fun. It's good. Anytime we have any physical things, we're like, oh, Isaiah wants to do it. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. gosh. <laughs> he you're the really. you're the most in shape. We would say rate and review the podcast, but uh, let's be honest, that would probably hurt more than hell. The worst of the Riot podcast. The siren song of McDonald's calls to us all. (laughs) You know, you hear that and you just go right on over. Even the most devout among us cannot (laughs) fend off the devil that is McDonald's. (laughs) You're not happy about it, but you still fall prey to it. Yes, and that is uh, exactly why Ksenia Ovichkinikova, maybe, Ovichkinikova, Avchinikova. Avchinikova. <laughs> there, there we it go. Is. That's fine. Uh, she's from Omsk, Russia. She is suing McDonald's because in 2019, she was on her Lenten fast. You know, that's a thing that a lot of Christians, particularly uh, in Catholics, although she's uh, she's Orthodox, so maybe they do the same thing. With Catholics, though, it's always, you'll see the fish fry Fridays. Yeah. Because... That you can still have fish, right, during your Catholic uh, Lent fast. A lot of people give up meat during but, that yeah, time. Yeah, but during meat, uh, yeah, during Lent, you're not allowed to eat meat. 
So that's why the fish is a big deal because it's not, it's like exempt. It doesn't count. Which and is so why for, here, uh, fast food places will be like, here's our new fish yep, thing. Yeah, they really, <laughs> Arby's is the one that yeah, you that always see. Back. They always have some kind of fish thing. Or Wendy's. Yep. And uh, so this woman from Russia, she was on her Lent fast. She wasn't supposed to be eating uh, meat of any kind, but. Uh, about five weeks in, she had almost made it all the way through Lent, and then she sees uh, an advertisement for McDonald's, and that was too good for her to pass up. Jeez. And so she went to McDonald's and got a Big Mac, and now she's suing McDonald's hey, for don't saying— don't blame Big Mac. She bought a cheeseburger, they're saying. Well, that's a cheeseburger, isn't it? <laughs> so she went and got one. She said she couldn't help herself, and now she's suing them, uh, which I wouldn't think you could do this, but apparently she's suing them as compensation for moral damage uh-huh. because it insulted her religious feelings. Yeah, and she says, did you see how much she's suing for? Is it really only $14? That's what it says. Why would that be just for $14? She's... Uh, Apparently, that's what she spent there. Oh. So, oh, so she's only, well, okay, well, maybe then. <laughs> which makes it seem less frivolous, doesn't it? It does. It yeah. absolutely does. I thought it was, we fo- <laughs> it's like we forgot some zeros, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's 14,000, but it's, it is only. It makes it seem bigger if you do it in the Russian uh, currency, which is rubies mm-hmm. it's a, or rubles. It's a thousand rubles. Yeah. But still, you would rarely see uh, lawsuits for that little in the United States. Uh, even if it was a thousand dollars, but it's not. It's fourteen dollars. This woman and man, what kind of McDonald's commercial was she seeing that tempted her so much? It was just a banner, so it was just an. It wasn't even banner? like a commercial, like on TV, where the burgers spinning around. You no. know how they are, and then it shows the pickles, and like they all, all the ingredients fall down in slow motion all together. Heavenly, you know? heavenly. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a glow to all of them. Well, that's the grease. Yeah. So that's that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then it's it's like flipping on a grill and whatever. So she that's wants not her what 14. it was. It was just a little banner across her her at her computer or something. She wants fourteen dollars from McDonald's uh, from 2019. Yeah. From her Lent when the advertisement had caused her to break her no meat fast. Hopefully, God will forgive her. <laughs> Even if McDonald's won't pay her the $14 back. I I mean, McDonald's can't give her back her soul. You're right. During that time, I think, you know, he's not like that. Yeah. And he, he probably understands. He does. I think he's okay He's seen with the it. commercials. He, he's like, he yeah. He understands. He knows we can't yeah. say no to everything. I get it. I, I don't even know why you do Lent. <laughs> you should just keep eating the meat. It's too well, good. We're not going to dive into that right now. You know, we'll just save that for another show, won't yeah. we? <laughs> if you missed out on the next riot moment when it originally aired, you don't know how lucky you are. You're listening to the worst the Rock Roundtable. Hey! This is where we get Isaiah into the studio also. So there's three of us. So that's how the, the least amount of people you can have to call something a roundtable. <laughs> this the, is all we have right now. Yeah. And The Rock. <laughs> and we talk about what The Rock said. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the controversy going around about different celebrities that say they don't wash themselves? Yes. Uh, the unfortunately. <laughs> so the list so far seems to include... Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, they're married. Kristen Bell and Jake Gyllenhaal have all basically said similar things of, they don't know if they believe in washing yourself every single day or even that often. Uh, But The Rock came in over the weekend and he said, this is the quote, nope, 
I'm the opposite of a not-washing-themselves celeb. Shower cold when I roll out of bed to get my day rolling. Shower warm after my workout before work. Shower hot after I get home from work. What? Face wash, <laughs> body wash, exfoliate, and I sing off key in the shower. Sorry. Attaboy. Three, yeah. three showers in a day? Yeah. Well, then he becomes people are mad at him for using water. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> He's showering too much. Yeah, you, Save some the for the way. fishes, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> I wonder if anybody commented then back on him about the drought stuff. Well, but if not, at least he is washing every day. He's a clean yeah. guy. I can't blame him here. I feel that uh, this doesn't surprise me. The rock looks clean. And when you do got you a think- shaved head, you got to like regularly do it because if you start letting it grow in, uh, grow the hair in. Do you think he works out really so patchy. much to where he sweats or is he just so fit like he doesn't? Mm, no, no, he has was, to sweat. Yeah. I feel like he's going so hard in the gym that he's just dripping in sweat yeah. every single time. So it doesn't matter how shower. fit you are. You still sweat, right? Oh, yeah. Not if everybody. What are you saying? You don't sweat? Oh, I do. I'm not fit oh. enough. <laughs> but for him, because he works out so much, yeah. like, do you hit the point where your body can't be pushed so much anymore mm. to where every workout for him, he's like, nah, I'm fine. Yeah. If you can hit that point, he'd be like the only person that has hit that point. Yeah. Sure. But I think he's still, to keep himself in the shape he's in, he's got to keep going hard. Probably. So I, w- I wanted to know. Uh, if you guys were to pick one celebrity that you think doesn't wash themselves, oh who gosh. would it be? Oh, oh. Um, or my- or one celebrity also that you would be very disappointed to know didn't to find out if they didn't wash themselves enough. Well, it's it's like going back to the Jake Gyllenhaal and stuff. They just said that they don't see. They found that certain times showering is not as necessary as okay. other people make it believe. But um, gosh, I don't know, like. I can't think of any. Mine right would now. be definitely Zach Galifianakis. Not you think he, he doesn't shower a not, lot? I don't think he's like dirty, <laughs> but like he just kind of looks dirty sometimes. <laughs> he said that. I didn't say oh, that. Oh, come on. His beard is always so well kept, though. Uh, no. That's true. But That's he true. feels like he's so like down to earthy that he might just be like, meh, I'll shower tomorrow, you know? I don't, I, I don't need it. On that note, though, Jack Black. And That's he could one. get away with it. It doesn't even matter because he like he's just so lovable every other in every other aspect that even if he did smell a little bad, but, but see, I'd I, see him like you see his beard and you're like, oh, he's not dealing with that. <laughs> so what else is he not dealing with? I bet you though, it's more the ones that come across as super like clean. Spe- yeah, super yeah. clean are the uh-huh. ones that you find out like no, I they haven't washed in thirty days. Like they or only something. shower before you see them. Yes, uh, the one time in public, and maybe especially now with. Uh, Less public appearances, more everybody at home. Maybe they haven't been uh, keeping it keeping up as much. Mm-hmm. They've fi- finally been enjoying the time off of showering. <laughs> I think if you're someone that like looks clean but smells bad, that's worse than being someone that looks dirty and smells bad. If you look clean and smell bad, that just means you're doing something wrong. Yeah, like you're, you're doing something incorrectly. But if you or look dirty and you're smell bad, natural you're doing deodorant. Yeah, something I don't know. <laughs> you're missing out on one important step of the routine. Yeah. So Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, said over the weekend he is three showers a day while everybody. Else else apparently famous wise has been caught found like out as three not showers as many. a week maybe yeah, oh not even you're lucky <laughs> so it just depends on what type of person you are i'm a i'm an almost everyday showerer mm-hmm. sometimes i have a day where i skip but uh i think i hope nobody can tell no one notices <laughs> it's all right we're and good you always wear a hat so no one notices even your hair well yeah i don't worry about the hair it's the well i don't want to smell so <laughs> that's when i that when that i should start be the to, goal right like I, yeah for everybody, that's I think we, that's ideal. The only way we can find out is by smelling your hat. Yes, <laughs> just seeing how it is.
If you've ever asked yourself, just how bad can it get? We've got your answer right here. Worst of the Riot, Radio U. The Olympics are over. Finally. So but this the is story a la- still continue. <laughs> I was going to say, this should be the last time we talk about them. I'm hoping, kind oh, of. I don't want it to be this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, what a sad way to end. But it's fitting for these Olympics. There's so much controversy and just so much with the Tokyo Olympics. Uh-huh. And you think that everyone who makes it to the Olympics has a real nice sports ethic. Yeah, usually. If you think about all the scandals with that, and the, <laughs> I guess that's probably the wrong yeah, thing to why say. Yeah, why do we all have the? Why do we have this impression? <laughs> I don't know when why. There's so much doping going on and stuff like that. But you would hope, yeah. the majority of the athletes, they at least are discreet about their uh, unsportsmanlike behavior. That's why this one was really shocking. Because when you yeah. watch the video, like, does he not think people would notice or comment on this French marathon runner on what he did? He knows they're on TV, right? Yeah, and even. <laughs> Even the person at the water stand, like someone would make a comment about what he did. But, you know, the video, I, I just finished watching it earlier this morning and mm-hmm. it is sad to see. The guy's name is, and apologies if I mispronounce this, but Morhad Amdouni. He is a marathon runner from France. And during the race over the weekend uh, at the water station, they've got a nice table set up with just uh, rows and rows of water bottles for all of the runners to pick up of course you would need that in the middle of a marathon and he goes through and just runs his hand like they're a bunch of dominoes or something and just knocks them all down a whole row of water bottles so that a lot of the other runners at that time wouldn't have been able to get the water and yeah it's just like how childish behavior that is and some some one of the comments talk to him like i haven't seen a comment from him and i really want to see what he says about it yeah well i mean he's french so he won't be able to understand i think i'll i'll take the time to (laughs) To translate translate it it, i'll figure it out (laughs) i like how uh one of the on the broadcast uh, uh, an, a track and field uh, former Olympian named Tamson Manau said, I think it's a pretty hard to grab those drinks, but it's not helpful to the athletes behind him. Is it? Is it hard to grab a water bottle off of a table? I will you're not running. This. It's a marathon, so you're not running that fast. He took the first row out, so then it means that you would have to reach over to get more. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, I mean, that's why he did it. Right. So it, it would cause a problem. Yeah. So it no, must think, be something difficult for the runners. I think I think what they were what the person on the broadcast was trying to say is trying to give him an excuse. Like maybe he was just having a hard time no, picking he, up the ball. No, you can tell. You can tell he sweeped the table and knocked them all over. It's yeah. so it's so embarrassing. Well, the joke's on him because he wound up finishing seventeenth. Good. So. <laughs> Good. He didn't get anything for and it. And I say he doesn't get water for seventeen days. Yeah. <laughs> And he gets in trouble. He'll never run a marathon at the Olympics again. Well, it's just embarrassing when, um, you know, we all have our moments, right? Or uh-huh. maybe we don't act the most grown up. Uh-huh. But when you're in a position at the Olympics and they're uh, showing the world your mm-hmm. race yeah. and that's what you do, that's even odd. Like it, you wouldn't want to put your best you know, face forward. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe he was having some kind of like, I think he has a bad attitude. I was going to say, maybe he's having some kind of mental breakdown right there on the, on the track Doubt doing it. a lot of running. It's hot. It was 84 degrees. Maybe he's just, uh, de- maybe his dehydration was messing with his mind and led him to these actions. And you can't blame him maybe because he- it was the, 
Because it was the uh, mental health that he was dealing with. No, nope. maybe he always does this. That's, and this was the first time that everybody saw him. That's how he qualified. He won strategy. all these races all this time Pretty much. by making sure everybody else couldn't drink anything. Like, don't don't be that way yeah. at events. You, you don't have to. You don't need to. Well, fortunately, we had better sportsmanship at the Radio U5K in person over the week. <laughs> I didn't That'd see That would be any. a whole different thing. You Then you would feel like... Because we ran it, we'd feel like we'd have to be the parents. I didn't be like, see any hey, drama. Buddy, hey, buddy, uh, why don't you, like, we're, we're all trying to have a good time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to knock down all the bottles. Well, it's, I thought we didn't I have don't to tell be the person that. Has to, yeah. But I guess you have to when you're dealing with marathon we'll runners. We'll have to add that in for the next time. Mm-hmm. The definition of insanity is putting the riot on again and again and expecting a better result. It's the worst of the riot on Radio U. You're slipping down the slide and you feel something no, start to slip and slide. I knew you were going to do that. Diarrhea. Thanks for the Diarrhea. mature morning we get to have now with this story. Hey, this is the news. You're, oh yeah, yeah, big stretch I'm just there. reporting on the news, <laughs> which is that NBC's slip and slide show, Ultimate Slip and Slide, has been canceled Mostly in due to diarrhea. So this NBC show was supposed to be the show that closed out the Olympics. You know, like the Super Bowl always has a show after. Yeah, right. The, the closing, big thing they want to promote. Yeah, the closing of the Olympics was supposed to have this show be its like flagship. Yeah. Like, Which, hey, it's sports kind of. It's yeah, slide. <laughs> right. But, and to be fair, though. Uh, this time of year, like in August, you don't see a lot of big TV releases. So it's not like they were counting on it to be mm-hmm. the next America's Got Talent or what you know, whatever the big show you would think. But it was supposed but to be still, 10 episodes. Big for this time. That's they were right. putting a lot into it. Uh, let's see. It was supposed to be 10 episodes. Teams competing in games. Um, oh, So it had like cornhole, body bowling, bocce ball, human pong. And then the two teams that remained... And the competition would compete in the ultimate slip and slide at the end. Yeah. And uh, what you might remember is we talked about this. This was months ago. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, it was filming leading up to the Olympics and they were hoping to have it ready to go. Uh, It was paused back in June after just a few days because many of the crew members and 40 40 40 of the crew members. That's a lot. That's not enough bathrooms to crew ratio no, for what they said happened. No, definitely not. Uh, there, it was uh, like the scene from Bridesmaids oh, yeah? in real life. They said people were passing out on the set or rushing to the porta potties uh-huh. because they tested for a intestinal infection. So it wasn't COVID. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, tested and then it passed to everybody and they were too sick to continue. It was uh, explosive. That was, diarrhea. They say one of the main things. Uh, so the ultimate slip and slide got postponed then, but now they're just saying it's just canceled. Yeah, so it's too I late. I want to see the footage. Yeah. I know I, it's not like on the show, but I just I just want to see what the game show looks like. They should have just rolled with this. It would have been a lot better show to see the reality of the people dealing with this. Because <laughs> honestly, was it, were any of us going to watch the slip and slide show were we? No, but I would have would, watched because of what happened yeah, to it. But would we watch the failure, the slip and slide show gets canceled mm. because all these crew members have diarrhea and we're going to see how they're all handling it? Yes. We would watch that. But they had to close down the set. 
It wasn't just like people were sick and then they just kept filming once everybody got out of the bathroom. Uh-huh. They closed down the set. It was that bad. They should have each been filming they their experience. They weren't allowed to. No, filming themselves. Oh. Not like actually on the toilet or, <laughs> gotcha, you know, gotcha. not like too graphic, but you know what I mean? I see. Like, uh, <laughs> just, just... Keep keep rolling. Keep the cameras rolling. You never know what you'll find. And then that's why you couldn't be a producer or director because then uh, yeah. that, you would have been sued there, later on. Yep. Like, he said, keep filming. That would have been uh, <laughs> definitely some violations. This was the worst of the riot. And we'd like to congratulate you on having the stomach to stick around to the very end. <laughs> the riot exists because Radio U exists. And Radio U only exists because of your support. Find out more and give now at RadioU.com slash donate. episode please leave us a review on itunes me 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 but also you the pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film powder donut <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to the Sweetie the Farmer and the news where we bring you all the delays and 2022 is going to be a super stack of games that is going to be crazy man. So many games coming up next year that is, I don't know, we're going to have no time at all. This is a weekly show where we discuss some of the most important news in the gaming world. I am the Lonline Gamer as the Sweaty. And I am Richard the Farmer. Thanks for coming together this week to talk about some relevant news. Some relevant news. <laughs> All right. Uh, today in the docket we have Valve continue to make devices in the same handheld category as the Steam Deck. They want to do more handheld devices. Extreme Sports MMO Riders Republic, which we get like kind of a peek on the thing with the summer summer games show thing. Gets a public beta la- later this month. Age of Empires 4 beta begins later this week. Diablo Immortal delayed to 2022. And Gearbox confirmed early release for Tina Tiny's Wonderlands again on 2022. So, and now that we have you here with us, don't forget to subscribe, click the notification bell, leave a like or a comment, do anything social that your platform lets you. This is the best way that you can give us support for the show. You enjoy the show and you actually like us. And give us a little bit of support. Just give it a click. <laughs> right. Okay, my friend. So, what do you think about this STEM deck? It's been super meme. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I haven't seen many reviews of the thing. 
Uh, I've seen some pretty reviews that is like a very good machine uh, on the hands-on uh, big sites covering it. Uh, so it's, it, it, they say that it feels like a actual portable PC. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so, and everybody's like, oh yeah, this is what... Because everybody expected that uh, Nintendo was going to do a Switch Pro or something like that. Like, like they have so many variety of good games in that platform that people want just more quality on the on the actual console to run a 60 fps on games and to do some more tweaking but apparently steam says like oh yeah we're just gonna make a portable pc gaming device machine whatever this thing is and yeah so they're they're doing more of it more devices so what do you think about Volt doing more devices i mean They've been trying for a while, like with the controllers and stuff. Like they, for did a long con- time. they did controllers. They did, I think, a Steam kind of console machine thingy. It was, it, yeah, it was not a console. It was more of a streaming device. Yeah, it was kind and of a streaming. By streaming, device. I mean, like, you will have your PC somewhere. Yeah. yeah actually running the games, and this console thing was just a machine that you will stream to from your computer. Yeah. So they've been, they've been trying to break into this living room, quote unquote, experience for a while now. For a while. Yeah. Um, how successful will they be? I don't. I don't know. It's such a weird territory that they are trying to to reach. Yeah, because they, they actually want to make make handheld PC gaming units, like actual handheld PC capable gaming devices. So it's weird because if you're a PC player, then you're just playing your P, in your big PC with a with screen. But I don't know what is the what is the market space. Well, the, in, in in that quote, the Switch has been like a huge success, right? Maybe they're kind of seeing that public share. That side of the of the business. What do you think? I, I mean, not that there is no market for this. Again, like consoles slash like living room experience or a bigger market than PC gaming for the console for anything that is not PC. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, PC is the, slow, is the smallest market of all. Or uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So it makes sense that they want to break into the whatever. Like I call it living room experience. It's just consoles, handhelds, whatever. It just there, there's a huge market for that. Like comfortable gaming. Grab a controller and lay down on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy yeah, it right. on your big ass TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compare that to like sitting down in a chair in front of, of a keyboard and mouse. It's a more. Uh, it's not a. It's not as big as a leisure uh, activity as actually playing in a console in a big computer in a big TV, as you said. So. So they're to break. They've been trying to break into that market for quite a while. Yeah. Not. 
surprising. Will they succeed with this? Uh, I, I feel like it will fall into that weird crack that, that the Steam controller fell into. Yeah. But it was a good device. Yeah, apparently it was like but a very good com controller in general it, to do anything on PC. It's yeah. a very good controller. It has very good support. It works yeah. perfectly fine. But it lives in that space that, yeah, it's a good product. Kind of... Eh, weird, because if you're a PS player, you will just get PS controllers. If you have an Xbox, you will get Xbox controllers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there is this Steam controller that it lives kind of in the middle of things. <laughs> so I don't know if this will fall into into that kind of same weird space that kind of why would you get it? Yeah, yeah, that's the question. Still like, a good machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah but still like a high still quality a good machine. Product. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, and, and what is the, the the other thing that I was <clears throat> talking about? Like, this is like, is the are the phones gonna even like close this gap between being like a decent? Uh, it's, the, no, no, machine are, for no, game? no, no, no. These are completely different experiences. Yeah, like you, you don't play phone games. Like if you wanna play a phone game, you don't wanna go through a hassle having the whole other machine. All right. All right. That that makes no sense. Like, okay. why would you do that? <laughs> no, that is the the whole point of mobile gaming. Already there. Yeah. You don't have like like the appeal of, of mobile gaming. You don't have to do anything else. It is on it is on your phone. That, that's all. Yeah, you it's need. just the ease of use. Yeah. The question is, yeah, and beyond that, like, are they gonna try to bite off on the switch uh, market side? Because Switch is alone in there, like no, there is no other kind of handheld gaming console right now. They could try that, but I don't think I, I, I don't think so because it, it again seems to be a machine that is trying to bring PC gaming to. To handheld games. other space. Yeah, yeah. And like, like to be fair, like a lot of games on, on PC have perfectly good control support. Yeah. So it's not like not like PC games require mouse and keyboard. That is true. Most that of them true. don't. <laughs> that is true. So, so there is a lot a of a push. There is a lot of push of very different types of game to give uh, control support. Yeah, it's it's something that that across the years has has become more common uh, for developers to do. So it kind of makes sense. So again, know. it's just it's, it's yeah. not the product for me. Yeah, it doesn't. Fall into the same into the same market that the Switch does. Yeah, it kind of does, and it kind of doesn't. It kind of it's it seems that it's trying to create its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's this weird thing of um, have you ever wanted to play? I don't know. 
this biggest game that is for that exists for PC but in a handheld <laughs> and if the answer is yes then this is for you but well maybe maybe not like games like uh, Hades and Cuphead and that sort of like side scroller indie games or like more middle of the pack of like survival games that that could be like a very cool thing for this like to play it on this device would be like more enjoyable than playing in a the PC Yeah, but that's true for many games. I don't know what your point is. I don't know. My point is like this. This is weird. <laughs> and, Vol and, and Valve wants to be, do more of this. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, I guess they're selling it to somebody because... I, apparently, I heard that the pre-orders like would play it fly it off the shelf something crazy like that yeah that did, because the specs of the machine were so good yeah. we'll see we'll see where it ends alright moving on we'll have our very first extreme sports MMO right the Republic on public, late, on public beta later this month and that will be <clears throat> uh, August 23 will be the public beta of the, of the MMO we discussed about this uh this game nope and we find it very curious and interesting but because there's nothing like it there is the, the closest thing that I've seen in terms of this board genre have been uh, Cars which is an MMO uh, need for speed kind of thingy when you race against other people and that sort of stuff but, but it's very um, arcadey like game correct yes so yeah I, I sign up To rate the Republic Beta. Oh, nice. Yeah. See, see if, I, get if I can get in and see what what this interesting thing is all about. What about you? You're going to sign up and see uh, the nah, stream sports genre in MMO form? Probably not. Probably that, not. that doesn't mean that I don't find the idea interesting. What do you think the progression is going to be in this? Like, I, I, I get the progression in cars when you get like better parts and you level up as a driver and and you get better, better uh, you get to race in different tracks and you open the tracks in the open world and then you get to race in difficult and difficult uh, categories while you get parts for your car to make your car better. Uh, and then you have some perks unlockable as a driver so that's kind of the progression of cars which makes sense it's kind of the same progression as an arcade uh, need for speed of or uh, type of game but what would be like the actual MMO progression in this game like Probably the same you will get access to more extreme sports <laughs> no well, it's the same thing that you described like you will get better at some stream sports could you like yeah Uh, will you will you um, what is the word uh, specialize in 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 some stream sports because yeah. I, 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 as far as we've seen it has like bike riding uh, gliding uh, skating uh, I think I saw like something in water Something like that. 
Ito, what do you think? A bunch of people writing uh, uh, sports, like stream sports. I didn't necessarily said the first thing. It's a cool idea. Yeah, right? (laughs) I highlight because it's a cool idea. So, if you out there want to test this, go to your um, Ubisoft client. What is it called? Like Ubi Store, something like that. Uplay. All right. You go you to play? Uplay, and in the news uh, page, there's like a, a, an announcement of the beta. You click there. You tell them, yeah, I want to sign up for the beta, and they will send you the information if you get in uh, through the email before uh, August 21, when it is when the preloading starts. Nice. Yeah. So I'm really curious because I haven't seen anything like this before, besides project cards. Uh, so I'm really curious of how, about how this is gonna work. Hopefully I get in. I don't know. I don't. Hopefully I don't know get how, in. Uh, how they distributing the beta keys, but hopefully I get in and see. We'll keep an eye on this. It's an interesting experiment. Oh, my phone just ding. Sorry for that. They're putting him in silence. Be quiet, phone. There you go. Um. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on this. Very very excited. Uh, it's a very interesting project. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Age of Empires Beta! My friend. That is very... This week, on August 5, I, I think in August 5, so... It already started? I haven't heard anything about it? I haven't heard anything either. Yeah. That's kind of weird, to be honest. I know, right? All right, let's see, let's see here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sign up by blah 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 on August 3rd and on a Steam for the Empires 4 better. So that's a question. It's weird because I have a couple of friends that now are playing like Age of Empires 2 competitive stuff. Is this the the renaissance of the RTS genre through like the original Age of Empires mm. side of things? I don't think so <laughs> you don't think I, so I, I, th- I think the good the good uh, RTSs are timeless yeah yeah that's why like, people like, still play the Starcraft 2 and Age of Empires 2 apparently yeah but it's just you really think about it like the, what makes those games good are not just like are not like the graphics kind yeah. of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just that it's a tightly packed managing experience. Yeah, that it has really good gameplay and really good like uh, micromanage and, and macromanage. And yeah, and, and 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 the PvP side of that keeps it very uh, can keep it very current. Yeah, no, um, no two games will be the same ever. So. So, so good RTSs have long lives. Uh, would this be the renaissance, as you call it? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> well, H of a virus is a big, like, it has a big community inside it. Yeah, it's, it's a game. Yeah, inside the, the RTS. It's the same <clears> as, as StarCraft. Those, those two have been, like, competitors for forever, but... And... In theory, it's coming out on October 28th, right? That's very interesting. Yeah, October 20th this year, we'll have uh, The Age of Empires 4. We will play this game, my friend, just to be 
I will probably play this game. You will probably play this game, or you won't. I will probably. You, he too. will probably. So you will be telling me about it because I'm like not that interesting in Age of Empires 4. I like Gold Age of Empires, so I'll give it a try. There you go. So what will the beta include? The beta will include a tutorial mission, uh, economies, combat basics, and core skills, and will support multiplayer and AI matches. Up to eight players. So any they standard. won't disclose all the races, if I'm not wrong. All the it's not races in ancient parties, it's uh civilizations, I think. Yep. Yeah, they won't include all the civilizations, but they include the majority. And yeah. Uh, sadly the sign up already passed, but we'll get some report as the week continues. People are testing this game, I imagine. <laughs> Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I one has to assume. Can yeah. they stream it? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. It's weird. It's weird. I hope it's good, but... That you haven't heard anything about it doesn't make it good. Yeah, yeah, that's it just, true. It just means that you don't follow... I don't follow RTS many RTS. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, moving on. We have some delays. And one, one that I forgot to put here is uh, New World has been delayed to September 28th. Mm, sure. Yeah, so they delayed a month. Some people are angry. Some people are happy. Uh, they said they're going to do to try to implement every, all the feedback that they got from the beta last week. So they delayed for September 28th. Yeah, that's fine all right now we have diablo immortal delay to 2022 the long-awaited or very controversial uh mobile <clears throat> diablo game in the franchise has been delayed for it's the very... first half of 2022 so i don't know february march maybe maybe who knows The excuse is that uh, they want to make uh, better PvP content and polish a little bit of PvE, engaging like endgame things. Uh, I mean, those two things sound good. Yeah, they're so. they're they're trying to implement a healthcare system to support eight-player raids. Interesting. So that's super interesting. Uh, they uh, they try to engage of uh, bounties to make it better. Uh, they're polishing challenge rifts to give you better rewards. Uh, they modifying all the PvP battlegrounds to make it better and more balanced in the time to kill. Uh, they're uh, tweaking paragon levels. Which is very important for the long-term thing because that's, that's the thing that you level up constantly. And they're tweaking, which is interesting, the bonus XP gain for players who play less. And they're replacing the XP cap for a global cap that increases over time. So, so that is good that they're removing that 
XP cap or the trolling of progress as they usually do in these uh, fun games. And the other rumor that why this was delayed is uh, they were trying to get some controller support, which is a feature that a lot of people want in the game. Mm. That's a rumor. The other rumor is that they may be doing a PC client. I um, that. You dub that? Yeah, me too. But is that is that rumor? It's just a rumor. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. What do you think about uh, controller support? Um. It. Uh, it's fine. It's I fine. guess. You guess. <laughs> Just I don't. Why wouldn't they announce that? So I don't think that's. Yeah, I don't know. Those are that's what I say. Those are rumors. So take it with a grain of salt. Your favorite yeah, thing is I like don't... they're they are working in a very in very like cool system, especially like the rate for the players. That'd be super interesting. And of course, the balance of the of the PvP. We will check out this game. We've been waiting like for a long time. Yeah, no, 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 no. We'll check out this game. It looks interesting. Yeah. Uh, the rumors that you mentioned, I don't see a good reason why wouldn't they announce any of those. Especially control, controller support. Yeah. PC client, I don't think that's a, that's happening. Okay. <laughs> I hope, I hope for PC client. I hope. <laughs> no, wh why? Because there is a bunch of uh, region lock games that I've been able to test. To play and in PC client make it easier. What does have anything to do with this having a PC client? Well, because I can play in the computer. Okay, the what you want is not a good reason for this to have a PC. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what your point is. <laughs> So more delays in this game. Uh, how long has this been game, this game in, in development now? Like four years, five years almost? I don't know. I don't think so. The, the announcement, the, the announcement before, one year before they announced Diablo 4. Yeah. Which so was that's like two years ago. So it's been three years in development for the mobile game. Yeah. That, that sounds fine. Yeah, and they're, and they're taking a little bit. It was supposed to come out this year, in this quarter. And now they're just moving in six months more. And the second delay, which is Tiny Tina's Wonderland for um, Borderlands 3 expansion, was supposed to come out again this quarter in 2021. And now it's <clears throat> be moving on to early 2022. According to a quarterly earnings report. No, that's fine. But take two. We're gonna have a lot of games coming out in that window between like September and March. What are a lot of games for you? Like, we're gonna have New World, we're gonna have the expansion of Final Fantasy, we're gonna have Lost Ark, we're gonna have. Um, All of these other big, like, this, this game, Age of Empires. 
and then I started the next year Diablo 4 and then I, I think I've heard of more delays mm, uh, of other kind of games to move into early 2022 the expansion from uh, from Destiny 2 was uh, delayed to, to early 2022 mm. so we're gonna have a big big crumb of games in the beginning of next year in the end of this year Sure. Is is that bad? Good. People are I gonna... don't care. You don't care. <laughs> you don't care for I... a big chunk of games coming all of the same time. Not, uh, not yeah. in the very least. Doesn't worry you for the sanity of of the industry. It's not my problem. I know what I'll play. There you go. I'll let you know what he wants. <laughs> of course, I know what I want. <laughs> So yeah, uh, if you're waiting for this DLC, which looks amazing. Um, DLC? Oh, the Tiny Tina. Yeah, the yeah. Tiny Tina. Uh, yeah, you have to wait a little bit more for beginning of, uh, I think, um, uh, yeah. before March, they're saying. So February, I will, I will say. Not not surprising at all. Yeah. There is not a, uh, an official date, but that's the window. I guess they will put in like an official date around November, if I was gonna guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Alright, and that's it for the news, my friend. That's all for this week's news with the sweaty and the farmer. My name is Luch, and you can find me on Twitter at LuchGPLang. And I am the Learning Gamer, and you can find me on Twitter at the Learning Gamer on Twitch. Oh, and on Twitch on twitch.tv slash gamer where I will stream the beginning of season 15 of Destiny because they move on new world for the 28th of September so I was gonna stream that but they're moving on so now I'm gonna I will, I will stream the beginning of the season 15 of Destiny I guess follow me on your social media to know when I'm going live and probably it's gonna be 24 of August the beginning of that season uh, thanks for coming to the Sweaty the Farmer and the news See you next time. Bye. It's time to cheer on Team USA. Get Xfinity Internet and get a Flex 4K streaming box free with Peacock Premium included. Can your internet do that? Cheer on Team USA with Xfinity Internet for only $25 a month for 12 months with a one-year agreement. And get a Flex 4K streaming box free. Offer ends August 8th, so go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Requires paperless billing and auto pay. Restrictions apply. New performance starter customers only. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change. After term, regular rates apply. Peacock subscription required. Xfinity, proud partner of Team USA. Right here in Greater Atlanta. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give this trash a second chance it was hoping Greater Atlanta's hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. 
Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the ever-changing world of technology? Tech It Out can help make some sense of it all. Breaking down geek speak into street speak, technology columnist, author, and TV personality Mark Saltzman covers consumer technology each week for every listener. Mark tackles the latest news, reviews, and how-tos to help you understand what's hot, what's not, and why. Hey everyone, welcome to Tech It Out, episode 207. Hope you're having a great summer weekend so far. My wife, Kelly, and I, well, today I think you're supposed to say my partner, Kelly, and I, but I'm going to say wife. We've been having a great time with friends this summer, making up for lost time, perhaps. But hopefully things will stay safe where we are, and I hope the same for you, too. I know cases are popping up in many hotspots across the country. But hey, I trust we're going to get through all of this and get it under control once and for all. But I digress. We do have a great Tech It Out show planned for you today with several guests. We're going to learn about the world's first 3D tablet in a moment called LoomPad. After that, kids who play Minecraft can learn financial literacy with an add-on game called Fintropolis. Nick Miles, the car guy, stops by to talk car shopping And Night Eyes is here too with a look at some of their innovative products like a light up dog leash for safer dog walking at night. All of this and more on an all new Tech It Out powered by Asus for those in search of incredible. I'll tell you more about them shortly, but let's officially kick off the show with our first interview. What if you had a tablet that instead of just showing flat photos and movies and games, the images came alive in like 3D, seemingly coming out of the tablet itself? Well, while it may sound like science fiction, it's now available, and it's called LoomPad, L-U-M-E. It's a premium 10-inch Android device with high-resolution 2D and immersive 3D holographic imagery. Here to tell us all about it is David Fatal. He is the founder and CEO at Leia Inc., based in Menlo Park, California. Welcome to the show, David. Good to chat with you. Yes, hi, Mark. Thanks for having me here. Sure. Now, before we talk about LoomPad, tell us a bit about Leia Inc., the company. Yeah, so fundamentally, Leia is an experienced company. Uh, we combine nanotechnology and artificial intelligence to create this awesome 3D light field experiences. And I realized 3D light field might be uh, unfamiliar to, uh, to most of the listeners here. And it's simply uh, the next generation visual medium that allow you to experience depth uh, from a screen along with a feel for lighting and textures and materials. Uh, in a word, it gets you much closer to uh, the visual experience that you have in the, in the real world. Okay, we're talking about not needing to wear any special like VR glasses or anything like that. 3D light field technology makes an image look like it's almost like a hologram, if I may, but it's on a flat surface. Uh, absolutely. No, no eyewear needed. We say it's the most natural way to have this sense of immersion. And thank you to Leia, your uh, company, for lending me a loom pad. I've had a lot of fun playing around with it. Let's talk about this now. So it's, it's a tablet, which is a familiar form factor to most of my listeners, but tell us what makes this unique. First of all, it's the, the first of our, of our product, and it's simply the best consumer product to enjoy these 3D light field experiences that I just talked about. It allows you to experience infinite content. For example, you can browse the entirety of, of, of YouTube and, and convert it from, from 2D to 3D. While offering a no compromise experience, you still have the entirety of the Android ecosystem and your Google Play and so on uh, at your fingertips. And the best part is that it's, it's mobile, right? You can, you can take it anywhere you go on the plane, in your bag and so on and show off to your, to your friends and, 
and family. So it's kind of, you know, the, the first time that you can bring this awesome platform, you know, with you anywhere and, and you know, experience it at any, any win. All right. So you called it a no compromise solution. So it's a premium 10 inch Android tablet that you may buy elsewhere from another brand. So there's access to the Google Play Store with literally millions of apps and games to download. You've got access to YouTube with countless videos to watch, but it has that 3D light field technology where the images seem to come alive and jump off the screen itself. Now, David, can everyone see this effect? Is it something that only a percentage of the population can see? I I showed it to my son and he also thought it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. This light field effect can be perceived by anyone. You know, you just say you just need to have two eyes, right? So the okay. uh, essentially the depth effect comes from the fact that your two eyes are going to see uh, effectively different images and, and, and your brain is going to fuse it and create that, that awesome 3D experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, it creates this sensation of depth, but also, uh, you know, makes content feel super real, right? Because it's able to reproduce the way that light is going to reflect of surfaces and create a shine, uh, you know, or a sense of, a sense of texture, um, and this is actually uh, why uh, some luxury brands have been using this this platform to promote some of their uh, luxury products, right? Because it's the first time that you are really getting a, an experience that is akin to what you you see in the in the real world. Mm, okay. Now, when I booted up LoomPad, I saw there was a special section with 3D content. There was already it was already preloaded with videos and music videos and games and such. But you hinted earlier that you can turn any 2D content into 3D. Could you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the big uh, innovation I think that came from from the company aside from the special hardware and the special screen is we've made so much progress, the industry as a whole and AI in particular, we've made so much progress in this computer vision, you know, AI technologies that we're able to take any 2D video stream coming from, you know, YouTube or Vimeo or CNN or Twitch, you know, whatever your, your favorite uh, essentially streaming website and we're able to, in real time, convert it to 3D so that you can enjoy it as, as a light field experience, which means there's virtually an, you know, infinite things to, to watch in, in 3D on that, on that pattern. We see, like, really, that's the, the differentiation right there. And is that the same for games? If I downloaded a game from the Google Play Store, could I enable it to have this 3D-like effect? Yeah, games are a little bit different. We actually partner with, uh, you know, big, uh, let's say, uh, studios, uh, gaming studios and, 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 and rendering engines such as, such as Unity or Unreal Engine. And we offer developers the opportunity to port and very easily uh, port their existing apps and games uh, to the platform. So they would, have to, they would have to modify the app a little bit and then they would post it on a dedicated app store, which is the, uh, which is the, the Leia app store also present on the, on the tablet that coexist with uh, the Google Play Store. So essentially you have two, you have two app stores on, on the tablet, one for all of your traditional Android content and one dedicated to that uh, light field effect. Got it. Okay, thanks. We are chatting with David Fatal. He is the founder and CEO of Leia Inc., the makers of the world's first 3D light field tablet called LoomPad, which uses the power of light to bring screens and content to life. It's got more depth and feeling to it without the need for glasses or special headwear. Now, David, are there some applications like it's great for watching video? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, videos are, you know, what everybody likes to do. You know, everybody spends hours usually online uh, watching their their favorite, uh, favorite streams. You can, you know, similarly convert pictures. Uh, we have an app coming up that lets you automatically upload your pictures from your iPhone, for example, and convert them into 3D so that you can enjoy them, enjoy them directly uh, on the pad. 
Um, besides that, we have, I think, a very healthy selection of games. Uh, you know, on, on the App Store, you can play uh, the latest uh, title from Gameloft, for example, Asphalt Nitro uh, 2. Uh, you know, that just uh, got got released. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're into gaming, you're going you're, you're you're going to love this. Just imagine all type of, of all type of effects. You know, coming off the screen and getting a real sense for for speed and explosions and you know all, all, everything that you that that you would like to enjoy uh, just in that immersive format. Yeah, I really like playing that Super Smash Ball game that was embedded on the the tablet. So anybody who picks up this tablet, and we will get to availability and pricing in a moment, they will have access to this game right out of the box, David? Yes, absolutely. For everybody who who buys the Loompad, it's going to have a free access to all the content until the at least the end of the year. Okay, got it. Now, you mentioned iPhone earlier, David. So with that in mind, who would you say this tablet is for exactly? It must be daunting to go up against iPad, you know, Apple's flagship device. Yeah, so first, you know, the the Lightfield experience itself is really for for everyone, right? Whether you, you know, anytime you want to, you know, play a game or watch a video, you know, all these experiences can be enhanced. Uh, by by the light field. Now the Loompad itself, you know, obviously is a new product category, right? We we really focus on on delighting our, our customers with these 3D light field experiences that are not available anywhere else. Uh, so you know, and as such, we don't see ourselves really competing against the established you know 2D uh, tablet players, right? Whether it's iOS or, or Android, right? Um, it, it's basically uh, you know this being said, as you know, as we mentioned before. Uh, the tablet is capable of everything that the traditional Android tablet is, is uh, you know, is capable of, right? It has the the entire uh, Google services, it has AR Core, it has you know the entire uh, Google Play Store, uh, you know, and and therefore there's really no no downside. You know, if you're looking for an Android device, you know, really you should <laughs> might as well get this one because you're getting the the 3D light field on top. And what's a uh, battery life like? And does it vary whether you're watching 2D or 3D content? Yeah, we, we put a solid battery in there, you know, anticipating that people are going to do, you know, heavy uh, 3D stuff. So it has a, you know, a 78 uh, milliamp hour uh, battery, you know, which is a little bit more than, than, than traditional, uh, traditional uh, tablets. Uh, it allow you to do several hours of continuous 3D light field, you know, gaming or video watching. And when you're in 2D, you know, it's, it's on par with, uh, with other other tablets currently on the market. Okay, great. And before we wrap up, you mentioned it's a full Android tablet with access to the Google Play Store and all the Google apps like Maps and Gmail and all that. But it also has cameras in it. Yeah, absolutely. It has a special camera. You, you'll notice that it has uh, two of the same camera on the back. And this is to take uh, 3D pictures directly from the pad. Yeah, that's great. There's also a camera on the front too, so you can do video calling. All right, so let's now wrap up on price. It's called LoomPad. I believe it just came out August 5th, if I'm not mistaken. Tell us how much it costs, what colors are available, and where we could order one. Yeah, it's uh, retailing for $6.49 on Amazon uh, Launchpad or directly on our website at www.loom-pad.com. And it comes in uh, in a gray or champagne color. All right. Loom-pad.com, L-U-M-E-P-A-D.com. Or you can go to Amazon, you said? Yes, correct. All right, David, great to chat with you. Congratulations on the launch of LoomPad. Very exciting. So all the best, and I wish you much luck and success on this. Thanks, Mark, for having me. We'll be right back with more Tech It Out. Listen to Tech It Out whenever you want. Find the Tech It Out podcast at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome 
Welcome back to Tech It Out, everyone. This show is powered by Asus for those in search of incredible. Asus creates technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. And that includes its line of award-winning laptops and desktops, monitors, smartphones, tablets, smartwatches, and much more. For those in search of incredible, visit asus.com slash us slash radio for more info. That's asus.com forward slash us forward slash radio. And also a huge congratulations to the two last winners of the Hotels.com contest that we ran throughout the summer on Tech It Out. The last two winners were Brandon Anderson from Florida, who won a $100 digital gift card to use towards a future hotel stay via Hotels.com, followed by Nan Panan or Nan Panan from Oregon. Congratulations, you also won a $100 Hotels.com gift card. And I've reached out to both of you via email. Congratulations once again. All right, let's continue on with the show. You likely know the hit video game Minecraft can be used to teach digital literacy in kids, such as coding concepts. But did you know it can also teach financial literacy? Well, Ally Financial, a 100-plus-year-old banking and investment company, along with Blockworks, is partnering on an exciting educational tool called Fintropolis, which is playable in Minecraft. Joining us to explain what it's all about is Emily Shalal. She's the Executive Director of Customer Strategy and Innovation innovation at Ally Financial, based in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Emily. Oh, so nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Pleasure. Now, before we talk about Fintropolis, please tell us a bit about Ally Financial. So Ally, as you said, has been around over 100 years. We started you know, in the auto space and over the course of the last 13 years have evolved into a full-service consumer banking institution. Mm-hmm. So we offer you know, a multitude of products to our consumers like you know, deposits, invest accounts, mortgages, we do personal lending. And so we kind of cover it all for everyone's financial needs. Yeah. So without further ado, tell us what Fintropolis is all about. Fintropolis is a world built on top of Minecraft. And for those of you who don't know what Minecraft is, it's the number one video game in the world. Over 144 million people use it. Um, And Fintropolis is here to teach kids all about the basics of money. And it, it is geared towards middle school kids. Um, but it can probably extend well beyond that for people who are just looking to understand more about, you know, financial systems and how they work and give you real life scenarios to really embed those teachings. So it's very real to the, the kids who are using it. And instead of just being scenario based, they actually get to learn by doing. And we think that's a fundamental component. Okay. Now, before I ask you to walk us through what we would see and do in the game in order to better understand things like finances, how did you come up with this idea? Is there a financial literacy issue today? So what we have continued to hear from people when we do research is that financial literacy is still a big problem, right? A lot of people don't learn it in elementary or middle or high school. And a lot of adults, you know, learn because they make mistakes along the way. And so what we What we know is that since 2009, financial literacy rates have continued to fall. And so improving financial literacy is a core mission for Ally. And so, yeah, we think it is a fundamental Mm -hmm. um, issue that should continue to be talked about. Yeah, I love it. That sounds great. And practical education that can be used throughout their entire life, of course. Because this is radio, Emily, can you walk us through what Fintropolis looks like, what you actually do in the game? hoping it's fun too, obviously, because we want to keep those uh, kids engaged while at the same time learning some core concepts. That's right. So Fintropolis came to be through 
a group of four interns. So you're, you're talking about kids who were still in college and we gave them a challenge to help us improve middle school literacy. They came back to us and said, we think in order to really make a meaningful impact with middle schoolers, we need to meet them where they are. The interns came to Ally through a program called Moguls in the Making, which is an innovation competition that we offer annually to kids who go to historically black colleges and universities. And the winning team gets to come spend the summer at Ally at our innovation lab. And through that internship in the summer, you know, this game came to be. And it talks about taxes and cash flow and budgeting and credit and debt and investing and just put it into this game and these little scenarios. So you're in this virtual world. It's very blocky. If any of our listeners haven't yet played Minecraft or looked over their shoulder of their kids playing this game. So is it that you're taught managing money primarily? It is a kind of about managing money, but it's about understanding the impact of decisions that you make, right? Okay. So if you, if you choose a specific career, then you're going to earn set money that is geared towards that career. And if you waste all of your money, you know, if you go, we have a scenario where you can go and learn about taxes and it's like, okay, well, how do you teach kids about taxes, right? Well, they need to go buy something and understand that just because they see a price tag that's a dollar, that's not really how much it costs. It's going to be a dollar plus some, right? They get to buy a house and then they get to make choices on Do they want a bigger house? Do they want to upgrade that house? You know, and what's that impact to their gold that they're earning along the way? And so, and yes, it is a very blocky game for those who don't know it. There are 20 million blocks in our game. There are a ton of blocks. Awesome. We are chatting with Emily Shalal. She's Executive Director of Customer Strategy and Innovation at Ally Financial. We're learning about Fintropolis, which is sort of a a game within the game. It is an add-on to the very popular Minecraft game that teaches financial literacy. Does this work with all versions of Minecraft or does it have to be the education edition? No. As long as you own Minecraft, then you can play this. It is a free platform. So as long as you have Minecraft, there is no cost to download Fintropolis. All right. It's called Fintropolis and you can download it from within Minecraft. And is there a website where we can learn more about the game? Yes, you can go to allyfintropolis.com and it'll break all of it down, show you what we're going to teach your children show you all the benefits. You can watch a video so that as a parent, if you don't know what Minecraft is, you can get more familiar with it, but it is your one-stop shop to learn more about this. All right. So allyfintropolis.com. Emily, thank you so much for your time. Congrats on this launch. Very exciting. Thanks so much, Mark. Stick with us. We've got a lot more Tech It Out coming up. Want to follow Mark? Google it. Mark with a C and Saltzman with a Z. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. This is Tech It Out. Tech It Out with technology columnist, author, and TV personality, Mark Saltzman. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Tech It Out. As we approach the height of the summer and begin looking ahead to the fall, many Americans are eager for a new set of wheels. Families, of course, are looking for the right vehicle for road trips, maybe beach and camping weekends, and heading back to school very soon. Especially coming out of the pandemic, finding the right car can be a challenge. And so we're joined by my favorite car guy, Nick Miles. He's a seasoned automotive expert here to discuss the latest trends in car buying, including the tech they may want. How you doing, Nick? Good to chat with you. Yeah, I'm great, Marcus. It's really great to talk to you. And hopefully the pandemic on the downside means we'll get to see each other again soon. Yeah, I don't think I've seen you since early 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm glad to see you're well. I follow you on social. Why don't we jump right in, Nick? What are some of the latest consumer trends when it comes to car buying? 
It's really interesting because uh, Capital One have been doing surveys of consumers and a lot of the things we sort of expect to see, Mark, are happening. Uh, but there's also quite a few surprises in there. And one of the big surprises for me is how people finance their vehicles. 54% uh, of car buyers think about financing after they show up to the dealership and they've after they've found a car. Um, that, to me, is not necessarily the best way to do things. Uh, you and I both know that a uh, car is the second largest purchase that a family tends to make. And mm -hmm. you wouldn't go buy a new house uh, without working out how you were going to pay for it. And it's probably the right thing is not to go buy, choose a new car until you've worked out how to financing it. And we're seeing the same sort of info from dealers. About 99% of dealers are telling us the same things about half of the consumers uh, arriving at dealerships without any financing organized. And so the big thing is cars are staying on the lot such a short amount of time right now that financing, if you go in with your financing ready to go, you spend less time trying to work out how you're going to pay for the car you've chosen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. So lead with financing is a good tip for car shoppers. Any recommendations on getting going? How do you proactively get all that handled before you step into the dealership? It, it can be a very difficult thing to do, but there's companies like Capital One's Auto Navigator that really does a double job for you. Uh, what they've done is an, an allowed the consumer to go in there and find their pre-qualification for financing. There's a big deal here and that when you go to choose financing, that you don't go somewhere that hard pulls your credit. Because if you get hard pulls on your credit, what ends up happening to you, Mark, is that can bring your credit score down. And so what they do at Capital One's Auto Navigator is that you do a soft pull on your credit. It's tailored specifically for you as an individual. The tool, this, this high-tech tool, allows them to pull all of your information in and then you can see how much you can borrow, what your interest rate is, and and you can apply it in different ways. Plus, there's the other side of this uh, app, Mark, which allows you to search uh, millions of vehicles through thousands of dealers. So you can take the vehicle that you want, you can take your financing, you can marry them together. And at that point, you know what you're paying and you can manipulate it as well. There's no guy behind the curtain who's just telling you what your monthly payment is. You can see the price of the car and all those things. So it's transparency and the tech world is now allowing us to see the car buying process in a transparent light. And is this an app or a website or both? Well, it works both ways. So it's both on Android and iOS, or you can use the website. So you're not pinned down to using your smartphone to do it. You can actually sit down with a family and the laptop in the living room and browse inventory once you've pre-qualified for financing. Okay. Um, we tell everybody to go to CapitalOne.com slash autonavigator. And dumb question, Nick, what if you are not a Capital One banking customer? doesn't matter. Capital One will give you all the information regardless of whether you're a current customer or not. They're interesting as a company because they're a data company. One of the things that they do is look at all of the data that goes around and tries to find what they can do best to service those people with either loans or car buying to find consumers that need things and then fill the gap for them. Actually, Nick, I know that about Capital One being a tech company or a data company. I've had the pleasure of working with them a few times 
times in the past, including a couple of South by Southwest events. And I was blown away at the the AI they use, uh, you know, with chatbots and a lot of the even things behind the scenes that the customer never sees. I, I really was impressed with the company as, as a whole. Now, I do want to talk to you about tech as well, given the fact that this is a tech show, not just financing. And I know there's sort of a correlation here, but we are chatting with Nick Miles. He is an automotive expert who I turn to for uh, all kinds of car advice. And, and in this case, securing the financing ahead of buying the uh, vehicle. Let's talk tech trends if we can for a moment. I recall reading that after price, tech amenities in a vehicle were more important than things like horsepower and, and mileage and even comfort. Yeah, you know, you, we're finding that people are changing in the, their buying habits to finding the cars that suit their lifestyle. Uh, you know, you only put your foot down on the freeway very rarely. So horsepower becomes sort of a, a less important thing as long as the car does the job. But when you have a family in a car, finding the right tech is really important. And, and we're really seeing that in the response to some of the people that talk to Capital One and have answered their survey. Because 92% of car buyers say test driving is important because you wouldn't get into a car that was just delivered at your house and want to live with it. I mean, if your kids don't have somewhere to plug in their iPhone, if the kids don't have somewhere to charge their, their tablet, if the kids don't have you know a, a screen in the back, you have little ones that want to watch movies, you're, they're going to be unhappy. And if the kids are unhappy, we know what happens. We're unhappy <laughs> <is true>. too. <laughs> awesome. And then of course, things like the whole EV boom that I think we're on the verge of, uh, autonomous vehicles. There's a lot of uh, cool tech embedded in uh, today and tomorrow's vehicles. You're going to see too, that the biggest revolution coming in the tech inside vehicles is going to be the automatic update. So for instance, um, if you buy a new vehicle and you want the hands-free cruising option in it, it may not be available today in a brand new vehicle that you buy, but it will be updated over the air in the next year or so. So that feature is installed. And so you, as you buy newer vehicles, you're going to find new features when you come in, come, come from out the house and sit in the car, mm. which have been updated over the air. And as you mentioned, Nick, uh, going back to tech, it's also important before you buy to leverage those tools out there. All these people are trending to do their research online now, which is, Mark, I feel like we've been, we've been sort of waving the flag about go use the internet, go use these apps to do the research before you head out somewhere. People want to spend less time car shopping and more time experiencing the new cars. Great to chat with you, Nick. Nick Miles has been our guest. Uh, what's the website one more time? Mark, you can go to capitalone.com slash auto navigator, and that will give you both your pre-qualification tools for financing and show you the inventory of cars currently available in your area. All right. Be well, Nick. Have a great rest of your summer. Thanks so much for your time. And I, I do look forward to seeing you in person soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. We'll be right back with more Tech It Out on the Radio America Network. Stay with us. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Check it out. Hosted by Mark Saltzman. Welcome 
Welcome back to Tech It Out, everyone. This show is powered by ASUS. For those in search of incredible, ASUS creates technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. And that includes its line of award-winning laptops. There's four different divisions. There's the Vivo Books, which are sort of an everyday stylish laptop. There's the Expert Books for more of a business-grade laptop. Chromebooks, which can save you a bit of money and great for students. And of course, Zenbooks, their innovation line. Head over to asus.com slash us slash radio for more info. That's asus.com forward slash us forward slash radio. Those who read my columns in USA Today, AARP, Toronto Star and such, they, they know that I like to highlight pet tech. And one of the products I've been writing about lately is a light up LED leash to make walking your furry friend at night safer and frankly, more fun. But little did I know the company behind this product called Night Eyes has so many other products as well. And so I wanted to invite onto the show Rick Case, the founder and CEO of Night Eyes, which is spelled N-I-T-E-I-Z-E. Welcome to the show, Rick. Good to chat with with you. Mark, thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Now, before we talk about what's new and newsworthy from Night Eyes, please tell us a bit about the company. What is it exactly that you do? Sure. Great question, Mark. Uh, Mark, this has been an entrepreneurial dream of mine that I've been pursuing for 33 years now. So I feel like we're really just warming up. Um, the company started with a solution to a problem. It was way back then when I was in college at the University of Colorado here in Boulder that I had an, an idea for a way to free your hands with a standard small flashlight. And that was this simple headband that allowed you to turn it into a hands-free lighting device, similar to what we know about headlamps today, sure. but with a handheld flashlight. And that was the start of the company um, in 1989. Wow. All right. So uh, humble beginnings, but you uh, found a solution to a problem and that's how Night Eyes got its start. That's awesome. And what would you say the word innovation means to you? I think it's a great question. The word innovation is used often, right? And I think that since the mission of the company is surrounded and based upon innovation, we need to be and provide compelling solutions to solve everyday problems and make people's life uh, easier, you know, more fun. And, and that's really what it's about. So when we think of innovation, we think about innovation from an intellectual property standpoint. I believe that for Night Eyes products to be considered innovative, they need to be deemed novel. And um, novel products have a, a, a judgment from patent offices around the world. So a lot of our a lot of our innovation is based on intellectual property from you know various uh, you know patents that we have, and this way it allows us to not only not only build a solution that's compelling, but it allows us to own that position and then continue to build upon that technology and support all of our all of our jobs and and everything that we stand for continue to in, invest in those products that ultimately support the value of our brand. All right, so now let's hear about some of the new Night Eyes products, beginning with some suggestions for dog owners. As I hinted off the top, I recently wrote about your light up leash. Tell us about it. Sure. So so Mark, I have three big dogs and um we're we're at the the, the company's very pet friendly. We we love our pets for sure. And I think it's pretty near and dear to everyone's heart that this visibility and safety concern when when it come when it becomes night when we get to shorter days and we we come home from work or we want to take our pets out or even if we we let them out in the backyard and it's completely dark i think all of us kind of want to know where they are and we want to see them when we feel better about that let alone maybe our own visibility and safety as we're out walking so night eyes is focused quite a lot 
on LED visibility and safety items that you can um, put on your pet, that you can you know wear as a collar, that might be a safety necklace, that might be a, an LED fob that can uh, click to a D-ring of a collar and provide that interesting visual at night. And I think I think you know what I mean by that. You've seen some of our Night Howl products that have 360 degrees of illumination. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just really continued to expand upon that. And our focus is rechargeability. So we want to make it as easy as possible for people to make sure when they go out, those devices are charged up, topped up. They're going to be as bright as they can. And it's easy in terms of the interface to deal with. We, we no longer have to deal with batteries like we used to. So that's, that's our focus on rechargeability. So a lot of new items that promote visibility and safety, they're now rechargeable. All right. And I know with the leash, you can get it either in lime green or blue. You can have it one solid color or it can be flashing. When you charge it up with a USB cable, it can last up to six and a half hours. And I think it's just one of those genius ideas. Like, why didn't somebody think of this before? And how much does it cost? And what's the official product name? Sure. The, the, the official product is Night Dog Rechargeable LED Leash. And then, of course, we make Night Dog LED Collars right? In some various sizes, but that's, that's sort of the family in there. So the leash is retailing at $29.99 and then the collars that are in multiple sizes will range from $25. Okay, great. We are chatting with Rick Case. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Night Eyes. That's N-I-T-E-I-Z-E. They have uh, hundreds of products. In fact, many of them do light up in some way, shape or form. Not all of them do, but we just heard about their uh, pet related products. I love it. And since it's summer, Rick. Let's now talk camping tech, like flashlights and maybe something for fun as well. Sure. I, I have to start with my, my favorite item, Mark, and that goes to the flash flight. And again, that is our light up LED flying disc. So years ago, back in uh, 2002, we invented the first ever LED light up flying disc. Actually, I do want to hear about this light up flying disc. This is right up my alley, but we've got to put a pin in it for a moment and take a short break. We are chatting with Rick Case from Night Eyes about all the cool products they have. Some are more practical, some are more fun, as you're going to hear in a couple of moments. If you're on social media, come and say hi. It's Mark Saltzman, M-A-R-C-S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N. Hope to chat with you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. We'll be right back with more Tech It Out. Follow Mark Saltzman on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Listen to Check It Out whenever you want. chatting with Rick Case from Night Eyes about the flying disc they initially invented that lit up and now you've got something new. Let's continue chatting, Rick. Yes. uh, Over the years, we've continued to be able to make advancements in the technology, but I think we're most excited about the um, release of the new rechargeable flashlight disc. So this is a 185 gram light up flying disc that is um, equivalent to the best flying disc made. So we're talking about a, a, a sporting goods item opposed to a toy. This is a, um, a product that has you know professional flight and amazing light. And now it's completely rechargeable and you can select multiple colors or changing colors. And uh, it's just super fun. So that, that one, we're, we're, we're excited to be able to finally have the technology to be able to make rechargeable. And how much does the flash flight flying disc cost? Which, by the way, my son, Ethan, has been enjoying with his friends. Thanks to another Rick at Night Eyes who lent me a few products I should mention for full transparency. How much does it cost, Rick? 
Yes, uh, thirty-four ninety-nine. Okay. What about other camping tech that can come in handy? I know you have like a super-powered flashlight as well as a lantern light. We do. We just we just brought out um, an exciting new flashlight combination sort of utility light lantern called the Radiant Rechargeable Utility Light, and this is an eight hundred and fifty lumen handheld forward-facing flashlight along with a task light that has uh, this sort of perfect amount of ambient light to do um, different tasks that you may do that may be within, a, within an arm's reach. And there's a bracket on that light that allows you to rotate the flashlight while it's magnetically connected to a surface. So if you wanted to put it you know, uh, under the hood of your vehicle and have the light shine so you could work hands-free, or you could stand it up on either end of the light and use it as a um, sort of a lantern light, it, it's really a it's really a wonderful light. We're very happy about the size of it, and uh, and the retail price of it is forty nine ninety nine, and it's completely rechargeable through uh, USB C. All right, Rick. I'd argue everyone listening right now has a smartphone. You have some accessories for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 Mark, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about. Um, a product that that we invented to the world uh, in 2013 with the product Steely. Steely was the first magnetic-based mounting system for a mobile phone uh, that we introduced at CES that year. And I'm excited to say uh, it's since then, it's become an entire industry um, as a mounting solution. And we're excited to continue to, you know, evolve the Steely system, which is a two-part magnetic system. We have a, this sort of imagine the steel ball And we have another part, which is a magnetic socket that uh, connects to the ball and has an interface that allows um, allows the device to be secured magnetically to that ball where you can reposition and change the angle and portrait or uh, landscape. And we've just recently launched a a new version that supports all of... um, uh, Apple's new iPhone 12s and their MagSafe technology. Mm-hmm. So um, very excited about that. That's called the um, the Orbiter Plus magnetic socket and metal ring, and that is a component which is the magnet side that allows people to connect to all the different steely mounts, the dash mounts, the vent mounts, the windshield mounts that we make, and immediately just put their iPhone 12. Um, whether it has a case on it or not, directly onto this magnetic surface to interact with the magnets that are inside the phone. So it's just a super efficient way to be able to mount your uh, iPhone while you're on the go in your vehicle. And the cool part about it is we include this metal ring. So any of the uh, anyone out there who has um, purchased the MagSafe charger from Apple, you can use the mag this magnetic ring we've included attach it through adhesive on the back of the MagSafe charger, and then you can attach that to uh, the mount so you can have uh, charging while you're on the go. And that's really a fantastic source because then you don't have to worry about plugging anything in. And instead of just having the MagSafe charger um, on a surface of a desk or next to your bedside, now you can have it in the vehicle while you're on the right. go. So we're, we're excited about that addition on Steely to continue that innovation. And you can feel good knowing that it's not going to fall off like a, a flimsy air vent mount or something. Uh, certainly not a, a good thing to happen while you're driving. This is a really, from my experience, a solid strength strong magnet that locks it into place but you can use it at home as well you know we're in the era of zoom chatting and uh, you can have this on your desk and uh, rotate your phone and do a zoom video call without having to hold your phone as well 
Yeah, absolutely. And and how much does it cost? The component is twenty nine ninety nine, and again, that will be compatible with the other Steely mounts uh, that you'll see for the dash, for the vent, for the windshield, or as we spoke about, the pedestal stand, which allows you to use it on a on a desk surface. All right, Rick. And for all of these products, uh, the best website to learn more. I was at our website at nighteyes.com. All right, that's again, N-I-T-E-I-Z-E dot com. We've been chatting with Rick Case, founder and CEO of the company based in beautiful Colorado. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your summer and keep up the great work. I'm a big fan of your products. Mark, thanks very much. We appreciate it. And thank you for tuning in to Tech It Out, everyone. Have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Stay healthy and we'll chat with you next time on an all new Tech It Out on the Radio American Network. Ciao for now. Right here in Greater Atlanta. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things. With a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give this trash a second chance it was hoping Greater Atlanta's hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Salutations there, listener, and welcome to Gordon Table Radio, gaming and hobbies' newest podcast for all things sophomoric and imbecilic, home of the paint and rant, the commute hoot, and the art of the chinwag. Join me, your host, Chuck Dyson, along with Flip Carter, my brother, Roll Dyson, and just Josh, as we cover everything from how to de-screw your model of the RMS Lusitania to the mating habits of the yellow-bellied sapsucker all things in between so hey if you got the time and the brain cells to kill why not do it with us the gentleman troglodytes just make sure you wear a dickie to catch the drool and now on with the show First we paint, and then I rant. This here's a board and table radio production. You stepped into another speechcraft gamecraft. I'm your host, Chuck Dyson, and uh, wouldn't you know it? Chuck's off his rocker again, that's right. 
I'm about to paint some figs and talk some junk, man. Hey, salutations. How you doing, everybody? If you're tuning into the Paint and Rant, you're, uh, you got grit. <laughs> you're a special breed of ascetic, I gotta say. Uh, yeah, so hey, to all the trogs out there, you know, uh, as it just so happens, uh, we're in a special, we're in like a, a holy month here, right? Uh, it's in summer, I'm in my sweaty basement, and, uh, well, danged if, uh, after the month of July isn't the month of Trogist. That's right. I'm coining it. Chuck's coining it. <laughs> oh, so dumb. Trogist. For all my troglodytes. That's right. This is for the gentleman trog or lady. Right? All my pimply, sweaty, knuckle-dragging nerds out there. Hey, if you know you got minis to build and models to paint, why not do it with your boy? Alright, tune in to Chuck. Let's do the old paint and rant thing. So, without further ado-do, uh, <laughs> oh man, I'm looking, I'm looking at some grots. Looking at some old grots here. I, uh, I, I gotta I can't help but feel a certain fondness for this project that's in front of me. Well this is kinda like a multi layer, right? This is like uh this is like a hobby squared. Uh for my squares. This is a a, a a throwback here. I started these grots this exact time last year, August. Uh me and Flip were like, you know, we had we were all half-cocked, harebrained schemes of campaigns and glory, right? We had all sorts of uh, grand ambitions, and um, I remember starting these guys. It was it was weird. I mean, you know, as is the caveat with all things 2020, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's at the point you don't even have to say anything else. Just and then 2020, right? Um, but yeah, I uh, I started these guys then, and uh, I'm just looking at them. I'm like, oh man, I'm all I'm getting all teary eyed. <laughs> <laughs> these guys were uh, a big batch painting job. I have, well, I probably have uh, mm, close to like uh, I definitely have like 50 here, just just eyeballing it, uh, maybe more. Um, if less, not by much, you know, I have, I have the makings of the better part of two full regiments, right? And so go, according to the old, uh, so these are grots from the Warhammer 40k line, uh, circa second or third edition. These things are old, man. They're these little single part plastics. They came in like a starter set. Ah, they got this great campy feel and, um. They're all the same, right? I'm not a uh, I'm not a mini snob, so I have no problem with like you know I played the historics games. A lot of those historics lines, good gosh, it's just the same dude, right? Just bloop bloop bloop, spearman, uh, spearman number one. 
And so the grots, these grots are like that. It's all just the same guy. But I don't give a dang, right? You shouldn't give a hoot either. If you're a real minis painter, you know, if you got the grit, like I mentioned, you got the determination, then you're at it. We're like this, son. So I hope you got your brush, your jar. Whoa, whoa. Shaking the brush in the jar of water. I hope you got your paints and everything all set up and neat like. Cause I'm gonna I'm gonna gab while I paint some drab. So <clears throat> I'm picking these grots back up and um, I'm seeing exactly where I left off. So these guys, they were kind of like an experiment of sorts. Um you know, they uh they were definitely I was going for a deliberate uh batch painting feel you could say um i was watching a lot of hobby junk and uh some good stuff too i tuned into i, I discovered goober town games and um oh man i can't believe i'm forgetting the guy's name i'm terrible um but anyway watching him like batch paint goblin armies and stuff oh just just got me going so i took these guys i Dug them all up, I, you know, cleaned them up, primed them, did that whole spiel, and um, I'm amazed. I got like, uh, I don't know, 80 to 90% of these guys just done. I did the guns, the flesh, the cloth, the hats. I did it almost all. Right now, I'm, uh, I'm painting a bit of metal. And like I said a minute ago, this is like hobby square. This is stuff interlapping because overlapping, I should say. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna film in a little bit, y'all. That's right. I gotta get some friggin' footage for Trogtober. No, Trogist. <laughs> oh, I can't even remember my own. Silly nonsense. Actually, Trogtober would be kind of dope, too. Right? Just double it. <clears throat> we'll do it. I'll do it. Say I won't. So, Trog Trogtober uh, pending. Trogist. We're in the middle of it. So, or at the beginning of it, I should say. So, Trogist. I'm going to try to paint every dang day in August. That's the challenge. Alright, so if you're tuning in and you're hearing this, and it's August, <clears throat> not bloody likely, but, <laughs> hey, you know, here's the dreaming, right? Maybe, maybe this is out there. Maybe I got off my butt and published this quick enough. Um, I have been trying to get more podcasts out, and so now I'm starting the channel and all this, right? Being a good content producer. Uh, if you can call this junk content. So, I'm getting lost in the weeds. Uh, yeah, so trying to trying to do it all, right? Trying to do it all. I'm, um, I'm picking these guys back up, and I'm right on the metal. And so what's nice about this whole batch painting thing is I can really, like, I can really just... Uh, you know, focus on, well, no, I don't have to focus so much. I can go machine mode, the opposite. And I can talk. I can chat a little bit. Sometimes with these painting rants, I, I actually don't paint that much. Uh, 
I, I find that they're, it's good to listen to something while you paint, but actually to try to record uh, and paint and focus, it's, uh, it's a little tricky. It's tricky! Tricky, tricky, tricky. Run DMC, anybody? No? Um, <laughs> ah. Puar. It's my tea du jour. Um, so yeah, I'm going to paint these guys and then I'm going to cut it and I'm going to film a little bit of me painting so that people could see, you know, it's the real deal, man. It's going down like mayonnaise in the elevator. Um, <laughs> so painting grots and, uh, Thinking about my plots, thinking about this time last year, it's really, uh, you know, not to make light of the whole situation, but, you know, whatever. It is what it is, right? We all survived 2020 in our own ways. Um, and I'm all, I'm still, you know, I still have a morbid curiosity about how everyone fared and hearing everyone's whatever, right? They're their tactics for survival, the trials. And um, so I'm no different. I, I reorganized my whole living space. And uh, part of it, you know, as it turned out, included digging up these old minis, man. Hanging with my buddies, but in a different uh, capacity, I guess you could say. You know, we're trying to, like, get old games going and just, you know do our old thing again it's dope it was cool and so yeah so this time last year it was like there's almost a wonder of it not to make light of the whole situation but you know whatever uh it's not popular to say but it wasn't all bad stuff but it was mostly bad stuff but <laughs> you know the, the optimist in me can't help but uh look with some fondness at certain aspects you know, we're, we're, in, we're introverts. I'm an introvert. So time spent at home and just kind of doing my own thing. I actually had to like switch gears coming out of this. Be like, oh wait, I have to go back to society again? You know? I don't know. Maybe I'm alone there. Maybe not. I don't think I'm alone. Not with the type of folks I, I know tend to gravitate towards this junk. So how you doing? Hope you got your brush or uh, your sprue snippers. Hope you're beavering away on some project while I gab. Um, but yeah, so my story time, right? This time in August, I was just going through all my old minis and like painting these guys. Oh, the Goobertown games, yeah. Watching guys like that and all these batch painters. Got my juices, right? Got the juices going. And, um, and let me tell you, it's tough for me, first of all, if you, uh, if you are a hobbyist with, uh, who lacks discipline, right, can't quite seem to get your act together, hey, uh, Chuck's on your side, man, you get a little empathy from me, I'm the same way, for certain, 
Sorry about that. I had a little technical difficulty. I gotta make sure to keep the phone away from the mic from all my projects so I don't slip. <clears throat> uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, so dip discipline. Uh, it's a curious thing. I definitely, uh, you know, there's a lot of value in it. Minis are, is just one of the ways, right? It's one of the uh, mediums by which we can cultivate it. But you know, and I, I can have it for certain things. I've I've definitely, uh, you know, I've had periods where I can get into a good groove, let's say, right? And, um, you know, I'm hitting, I'm being, you know, I got my due diligence, I'm painting every day. That's, because that's the goal here. Let me reiterate, right? This is, this is, uh, we're gonna we're gonna Morgan Spurlock it. <laughs> Drop a name, right? For a whole month of painting minis. Uh God, I have no way to like <laughs> publicize this nonsense. That's alright. Who gives a hoot? If you're tuning in and you're hearing this, then just just friggin' do it with me. Just pick up from here. Do what you can. Do what you can with what you got. Uh so a month of painting, painting every day, that's the challenge. And so I've, I've had, uh, you know, whatever phases and periods and, and I've, I've challenged myself in this way in similar fashion before. And so it's not something that I'm entirely, uh, you know, that's utterly foreign to me. Um, but you know, then you fall off and whatever. But I think the goal this time is to that like this is this is it, man. This is it. Chuck Chuck's hit a wall. Right? Drawing a line in the sand with myself. And so I'm just I'm I'm on just paint, man. Again, you know, sometimes I'm better with it, sometimes I'm worse, but I'm really gonna try this time to just paint every day. No matter what. And then just that be that. Like that's just gonna be that's just how it's gonna go from here on out. Um because then once you get the ball rolling, uh, you know, it's it's all inertia, baby, right? An object in motion tends to stay in motion. So, you know, do that. Right? Get that ball freaking rolling. And then who knows? So trogist. From a trogs. Um painting metal, painting metal. See, this is the other thing that starts to happen. You get uh a nice muscle memory, right? And this is especially true with the big batch paint jobs. Ah, back to that. Right? Doing big batch paint jobs helps to cultivate the discipline. It helps to cultivate just kind of like a sense of a sense of calm right you can really just zone out and you know you find your little happy place while you're painting your little figs and um sometimes you don't get that effect when you're just painting like characters or armies of one or really unique guys um so you know right back to playing advocate for the repetitive miniature you know, that is basically just the same dude, just doop, doop, doop. Like I said, I don't mind that all the time, you know? It, it, it's okay. 
it lets me um, just repeat the same motion over and over and I get better at it. I'm like four grots in now already. Boof, it's like it's like riding a bike again. Uh, you know, I don't have to think about it. I'm just barrel of the gun, clip of the gun, funny pointy metal hat thing. And bam, on to the next one. I like that. I like, uh, and I remember it was like that last year. I'm doing all these bits, you you like you break it down almost to like a a choreography. Ooh, you break it down all, almost to just these like little subroutines and to all its constituent parts. Mm. That's nice. When you get there, you're uh, you've arrived. You've arrived with bells on. They're jingling, baby. So, uh, yeah, that's looking pretty good. Although this this paint sucks. Don't go cheap with model paints. I feel like I've harped about this before. Um, I got a craft paint, and I'm just suffering through it right now with it. This stuff, it's a gunmetal. It's a cheapo, cheapo craft store gunmetal. And it's going on like uh, aluminum snot. <laughs> it's just this mucusy. It's like something uh, the T-1000 would hawk up. You know? If, uh, if the T-1000 ever gets sinus issues. I don't know. Um, oh, that's a really dated reference. <laughs> oh, man. Couldn't think of something more current than the T-1000, Chuck? What are you? Oh, well. I'm a product of my time, man. Like it or lump it. <clears throat> so I'm painting these guys on the stick. Oh, that's the other thing. These guys are on a stick. I don't know if that's a separate hoot. Although this isn't a hoot. This is a painting rant. Speechcraft Gamecraft. Uh, I don't know if that's a separate topic, but the stick the stick painting. This is my way. Um, I got all these guys mounted on a stick. I say stick. Uh, you can do it on a stick. I got some zombies on a stick somewhere. These guys are also on a stick, but the, the, the ranks are so deep that I actually had to put them on a strip of cardstock as well. Um, and But then the cardstock was a little floppy, right? And so there's sticks underneath that to brace it. Anywho, if you can fit the mini, if it's small enough to fit on a stick, and when I say stick, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, craft store, dollar store, like popsicle stick. Nothing crazy, nothing fancy. Just some a bit of hot glue. Just a little dupe, right? A hot glue to stick them onto the stick. And then, uh, you know, you just, you, you line them up as deep as you can. Or as many as you can on the stick. And if the stick isn't big enough, then, you know, like I just said, use some cardstock. Use anything that's going to let you mount a bunch of figures. Again, especially where the figures are, are the same or even really similar. Mount them up all on that stick, and then you just 
paint one after the other. Again, you get that muscle memory, and it's just so much easier. I'm, uh, I'm having a fine old time just painting these, this metal, you know, apart from the lousy paint, but, you know, I'm just moving from one guy. Actually, in this case, some of the guys are a little too close. You know, when you mount them on the stick, be uh, be mindful of that. Don't get them too close to one another. But, you know, you, you want to maximize on space. I got these guys pretty close. The gun barrel is just about approaching the shoulder of their neighbor, right? So the next grot on the line. So sometimes that's a little too close. A, a shaky hand, a wobbly hand. A stray brush might, you know, leave a chrome shoulder on another guy, but I can manage. But if that's something you would have trouble with, then, you know, space them out a little bit. But the whole point being is that when they're all together like that, you know, again, I, I said it, right? You can just kind of, you can zone out, zen out. All right, I'm getting these guys. I'm busting them out. I didn't set a timer. Oh, shoot. What time we got? Okay. All right, I got a little bit. So far, so good on this Trogist. So how you doing? What you doing? Hope you're getting it all done. That's really the point, right? You know, give yourself any excuse. Set some parameters. Challenge yourself. Get some stuff. Did. That's what I'm finna do. These grots, I got a goal. So me and Flip, oh, like I mentioned earlier, me and Flip, we got the campaign. That's crystallizing more and more every week. Uh, and I'm predicting by the end of the summer we'll be in full swing. <clears throat> Table and all, so that'll be dope. We'll have big armies and a whole new table to show for it. Um, well, we have big armies already, but even, even bigger, like all the stuff, all of them, right? That's how many, all of them. Uh, yeah, so these grots, the plan for them is, uh, they're going to be in this big unit. So my orcs, uh, I don't normally run Grazis. I mean Grats, sorry. They're going to be called the Grazis. So they they all look the same. I painted them in like kind of drab grays. And then this old model, they have this hat helmet thing, this funny hat with a metal spike on the top. Almost like World War II Germans. Uh-oh. So, I decided to paint them all the same, and they're all looking the same. Right? And, uh... So I'm calling them the Grazis. And I got this funny little Grot character. I don't even know where I got him from. But he's like... He's got a trench coat type thing, and he's got a scepter in the air. He's super funny looking. So I'm going to try to paint a teeny tiny little push, push broom mustache on him. He's going to be Schittler. And so he's going to be leading the Grazi. 
He's going to be leading the Grazies in the battle. And um, it'll just be really funny. I never run him. And so I'm kind of justifying it as like, right, like my Grats. They're tired of being used as fodder. Right? Being pushed into minefields and whatnot. So to clear the mines out. <laughs> and so they've got their own little mini faction, right? They got their own little leader. And they got their uh their little grot fuhrer. Gonna lead him in the battle. I also got a banner dude. I, I cut one grot up. I uh, surgically removed his little rifle and uh, and then I kind of altered his whatever the hand that would ordinarily be supporting the rifle I have that uh, out I cut it and I twisted it and so he's like holding up anyway he's holding a big banner so I'm gonna give him a big banner I got banners on all the units um, that's just that's just my old-school way I like uh, I like stuff like that. It gives the army a lot of pop. Pop and circumstance. Um, so, but he, they're going to have the biggest banner, which is funny because they're the smallest, you know, smallest stature guy, creature, whatever. But their numbers are big. I don't even know where I got these old grots, but I inherited. I definitely didn't buy them or order them. I inherited them. From some such like game store closing or something. I, I've unfortunately been to too many game store funerals. Uh, it's always sad to see those go under. But, you know, if, if it's par for the course if you know how those things go. There's, people are offing stuff, selling stuff. I got bags upon bags of these old second or third edition orcs. And, um... And so it was just the same dude, but just dozens of them. And I got the old orc, and I got the old grot. And for me, I was happy to take it. There was a bunch of crap I passed up on because I just, you know, I don't got the room for this nonsense. But these guys I did take home because they reminded me of an old, old, uh, it wasn't even a white dwarf, I don't think. But it was just kind of like a free magazine pamphlet thing that games workshop used to give out and um it just introduced people into the games and into the hobby and i remember god i wish i could find that i remember clinging to that thing as like an 11 year old 12 year old and just like oh oh my god miniatures holy crap right like just drooling over the pictures and stuff looking back now like but <laughs> the painting standards are probably like just so anyway um these guys were the dudes featured and they had like a little mock battle report and i remember reading that too being interested because i didn't really uh you know i wasn't i didn't tabletop game like that when i was you know when i was that little um I was into the minis, but I didn't really know the game. And so that was my first introduction to like reading the games and like reading the rules and stuff. Oh, that's how it works. Oh, they use a tape measure. What? I remember just the idea of using a tape measure was like a thing for me. Again, looking back, it's like, 
Oh, poor little naive Chuck. But yeah, that pamphlet, I stuck to that thing. And that was it. That was the beginning. Hook, line, and sinker. The first one's always free, man. Right? That's how they get you. Um, and I remember I was into D&D. Again, into minis. But I, I didn't know the rules as well. You know, the rules were still kind of foreign to me. All the stats and the math and the dice rolling. I didn't want to do math. I just wanted to push fun, cool little figures around. That was my thing. That's how they got me. And so, yeah, these guys were the ones who featured in that little battle report. Space Marines and Orcs. Oh, man. So I got these Grazis going. And thinking back to that time also reminds me of a of another painting memory maybe this will be the maybe this will be the clear de lune of this so <clears throat> rinse my brush a little bit you gotta clear the brush from time to time especially when you're using crappy craft paints be kind to your brushes, y'all, right? They do all the heavy lifting in the painting department. <clears throat> I remember once upon a time when I was going to the old hobby shop I used to frequent, Dragon's Lair. And uh, this was like the first, you know, we all have that first hobby shop. We just haunted as a kid, teen, whatever. And uh, if you're lucky enough to still be going to the original hobby shop, you haunted. Hey, tip of the cap to you. You're one of the lucky ones. Uh, for me, yet again, like I mentioned before, right? It was one of the it was one of the poor hobby shops I saw go under. Just as the age of the internet was dawning. Ugh. Um. <laughs> and yet you wouldn't be hearing me if it wasn't for the internet. So Matt, go figure that one. But anywho, back at Dragon's Lair, uh, I remember, you know, I, I was I was I was going through hobbies, man. Right, started with the interest in D and D, but then that faded, and then you get into the cards and the CCGs, right? And then that kind of peters out, and then you're getting into this thing, and then you're back into the minis. Ah, it just all swirls around, right? Because they're dealing the crap right there, so it's just. Gateway drugs. Uh, <laughs> and so I had... Uh, I started card gaming there. Anyway, I was back off the card games. And I was into the minis again. And I was really getting into the war games seriously. And so, uh, you know, again, Warhammer, right? That was the mini game du jour. And, uh, and so you're getting into it and you're meeting all the different characters and the people who are there, right? You ever think about that? You know, you go to your hobby shop and it's like, who are these folks? Look at this guy. He smells like a bag of burnt hair. <laughs> the gamer funk on some of these guys. Uh, 
No, but I, you know, I was a kid, and uh, and so I I didn't really game with the adults like that. But there was another kid who I remember. There was a few of us. There's one kid in particular. <clears throat> Enter Flamehead Kid. And all my buddies who are listening, it. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this garbage, you remember Flamehead Kid. Flamehead Kid uh, has the name Flamehead Kid because I don't I don't remember his name. <laughs> that's how much respect. That's how much I care to uh, <laughs> actually meet people. Oh man! So Flamehead Kid, he had this he had this doofy shirt with like it said Flamehead on it, and so that was just that just stuck for some reason. You know how it is. <laughs> When you're a kid, you do stuff like that. So Flamehead Kid, um, he, uh, you know, he, 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 so he played, I think he played Tyranids, which is like this, like, alien-y, like, buggy, alien archetype army, right? For this sci-fi tabletop war game. And, um, to his credit, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, after I rubbish him, I'm going to rush to his aid because, you know, when you're a kid, you're a pinhead. So some of the, well, anyway, so he, 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 to his credit, he tried to paint the minis as we all did. Um, and you know, that's, that's worth something, man. That's, you know, looking back, I got to tip the cap to old flamehead kid. Because these days, I see some some gamers don't even try to paint their friggin' minis. It's like, come on, what are you doing? At least attempt, you know, pretend. Make me, make me believe you're at least pretending to try. You know, give me some production value. But anyway, back then he painted. We all tried to paint our minis, and uh, but <laughs> here comes the rubbishing part. Because his army was looking... Well, let's just say Flamehead Kid had another nickname. We used to call him the Gob. Alright. And the Gob was the even worse nickname. Because if there's anything you didn't want to do, is gob your miniatures up. And that was what Flamehead Kid was known for. And another part of the reason why he earned the bad reputation, which... Whatever, this is kind of, this is snooty on our part, but whatever, you know, it is what it is. It, he he just had so much more disposable income. It's easy to hate on a kid who's doing so much better than you. <laughs> oh, they can actually afford this stuff, right? Unlike me hobbling around with like the same one unit of guys for months on end. But anyway... So he could actually afford, you know, I remember he had like a cop, he had a, the biggest army of us easily. He had, he definitely had more points worth of figures than me or my buddies did. And, um, but it doesn't matter, right? It was a, it was a quantity, not quality thing. He had, all, he had all this money or his parents anyway, had this money and they would let him spend it on this stuff. But he was just, he was just bollocksing it up <laughs> he was just blowing that money his figures look like 
hot duty. And uh, and so we used to rag on him for it. <laughs> Gobbing all his miniatures up. And so it was it was ultimately the issue now looking back i can i can actually diagnose ex exactly what flamehead kid's problem was and uh i did a hoot on this a little while back and i ran it on it and i didn't mention this cuz gosh who's going to listen to that crap and i didn't have the time on my short drive anyway but it was the primer right it was the prime coat. It was the first coat of paint. This kid was clearly using something that was not primer as his prime coat, which, you know, sometimes is okay, right? Like, sometimes you can get away with that, uh, depending on the spray paint. But likewise, right, by that same token, depending on the spray paint, you really can't get away with it. And so he was... He was in the former camp, not the latter. He had whatever the spray paint was, it was just gumming up the works. It was obscuring all the detail. It was gobbing the guys. He was gobbing his miniatures, right? Poor Flamehead kid. Blowing his mom's money on uh, on bad paint jobs. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were all snooty because like, oh, we're painted better. Our guys look better. Which, looking back, that was meh. <clears throat> we were lame, too. All right, Flamehead Kid. So let me redeem you a little bit over there, wherever you are. We were dumb kids, too. So you ain't all bad. You were trying to paint your minis. I get it. I'm giving you the right? tip of the old cap from Chuck. Try to paint your minis, even if you got them. Uh, but try not to gob them because these things are expensive. Any mini, any model, right? You gotta, you gotta marshal your disposable income just right. Okay, I'm like two ranks deep into Grotz. Woohoo! Yeah, buddy. These guys ain't looking bad. The trick to this lousy craft paint is to just uh, lay it on kind of thicker than you would. Oh man, I'm just, uh, I'm not practicing what I preach. Poor Flamehead Kid. Again, depends on the paint, right? I gotta make the metal pop on these Grazis though, especially the little spike on the hat. Such a crucial detail. <laughs> oh man, the Grazis. Who's stepping across the Orky battlefield? So, uh, I'd say, um, looking at my Roly, it's about that time. I have to film at some point, and unfortunately, I'm doing this all off the same device. And I can't film and record at the same time. <clears throat> Not audio, anyway. So, I think uh I think I'm I'm uh I'm feeling good. I'm feeling satisfied with this uh this first night of Trogist, right? <laughs> Started Trogist off with a bang. With the Grazi bang. We're goose stepping into this month. 
paint er dang day, right? That's what you're doing if you're doing it with me. Because if you're doing it with me, you're doing it the board and table way. Hey, with Chuck Dyson. Up your Chuck Foo, this Trogus. So hey, uh, with no sign-off method, um, enjoy. Enjoy the Speechcraft Gamecraft. Uh, and a happy Trogus to you. I hope you're painting all the minis, man. All right, hey, I'll catch you on the flip side. Adios, muchachos. Catch y'all later. And peace to Flamehead, kid. We out. Stop.